0: Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to another episode of the How To Be Great podcast. Thank you for joining us wherever you are, whether you're on the uh, your favourite podcast uh, via Apple Podcasts, Spotify or similar, or whether you're here on the uh, Hopes on Wrestling YouTube channel, where the uh, purists among you will be happy that Paul and I are in our correct positions today. He is on the left and I am <laughs> on the right. That is uh, where we are on the screen, not necessarily our politics, but occasionally it can be that way. Hello, Paul.
1: How are you doing, mate? I'm very well, thank you. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Hello, Rob. How are you? Um, I'm going to be boring. I'm hot. Yeah, it's, it's really, really it's hot, a, hot, isn't it? It's
0: a bit warm. Um, we're recording this on uh, sort of Tuesday, middle of the afternoon. Uh, and uh, I'm very fortunate. I'm down in Devon, which normally is a little bit cooler than the rest of the country. It pulls up in Yorkshire, but I think we're both, you can probably see the sheen on our faces. It's, uh, it's a little <laughs> on the warm side.
1: Yeah, I just went out for a after-work walk with my missus and bucketed in sweat. We had to come home quickly because it was just too hot, too bloody hot outside. And there's no chance of a bike ride today, that's for sure. No, absolutely not. My missus, an interesting,
0: I haven't heard that term for quite yeah. a long time. Thank you for bringing us back in time. Uh, more, more, inter- more about uh, going back in time by a couple of decades, very, very shortly. But we'll go back a week, first of all, um, and we'll talk about last week's podcast uh we were joined by the twisted genius Dean Ayas and we got a little heated on a couple of occasions in a nice way of course as we were discussing who is going to be a great future commentator uh on wrestling television it's the first time we sort of stepped away from analyzing things that have happened and more uh, having a specula- speculation on what will happen in the future we eventually got the, uh, the list narrowed down a little bit. As I recall, did we have, a, we have another six-person list last week, or We We had to, uh, did. We had to we did. settle a little bit.
1: Well, we had Dean didn't we? So I think it's a fair, you know, there's three opinions going in. So I think it's a fair moment to go to six. But we'll try not to do that again for a while.
0: OK, well, you're the man with the answers. So do you want to tell us, uh, give us a little bit mm. of a rundown of some of the names that we picked and especially mm. the uh, who came out on top?
1: I will indeed. So starting from the bottom, um, the three that got very few votes at all were um, Sami Zayn, which I was a bit disappointed about. I really thought he, you know, I thought we might have done a convincing job on him, but Sami Zayn was one who got very little. Drake Maverick, similarly, and Alexa Bliss. They were the, they were the bottom feeders, as it were. Um, so one of my favourites, one of your favourites, and one we all agreed on all finishing the bottom three. Um, slight, slight surprising, third place was Chris Jericho. Okay. I thought you might. I thought you might have figured higher. Um, he got just over twelve percent of the vote. In second place with twenty-eight uh, percent of the vote, bo- vote was MVP, and Good. I think a resounding and fair winner with just over fifty percent was Dolph Ziggler, okay. who, uh, who people think is going to be the man when it comes to commentary when he uh, when he hangs up his tights, which I think is a very fair shout.
0: Yeah, some interesting results there. I think MVPs uh inclusion in second place there is very uh indicative of his his recent performances uh he's in our eye line at the moment being you know featured on raw uh and doing very very well i think if we'd have done that list and picked the same six people uh three four months ago you know he i think he would have been right down the bottom but people have been reminded and that's not because he's not very good it's because it's a little bit out of sight out of mind Uh, and they've been reminded about his talents just lately which is excellent uh to see and also in this great heat, um, you may just, um, use the words Alexa Bliss and bottom quite near each other and not give me a heart attack. So we'll, um, we'll move on from that. But an interesting list, an interesting set of results. Um, if you're wondering what the heckity heck we're talking about, uh, here is how we uh, work this podcast. We are about to do a topic. We're about to go through the, our chosen topic this week, Paul and I, uh, and then we will discuss it at length. We might have a few fallings out along the way, but we will come up with what normally we will do our top five in said category last week is the second time in what we've done 14 shows so far Uh, that's the second time we've had to go to six because we had a bit of an impasse and couldn't decide between a couple but generally we'll pick five and then it's over to you so after we've done some of the work you get to finalize so we will put up the poll on hooked on uk forward slash vote and that's where you can go by the time you're listening to this that vote will already be up uh but of course you don't want to go there now you need to listen to the rest of the podcast. And Find out our reasonings and what we are going to pick. That is half the fun. In fact, it's more than half the fun. It's 51.3% of the fun. Um, There's a reason why we've picked the topic that we've picked this week. Today, this week's topic is what is the greatest 1990s pay-per-view? To be clear, I don't think this should need clearing up, but to be clear, pay-per-views that start from January 1990 to December 1999. I have genuinely heard people before say, does 2000 count as the 90s? It's like, well, no, of course it doesn't. It starts with a two, for a start. But I, 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 not, I haven't heard anyone say that this week, but in the past I have heard people say, well, wow, that counts as the 90s if it's 2000. No, it doesn't. Uh, anyway, that is, why, that is what, what we are doing. But, Paul, I think you should
1: tell people why we have chosen that particular topic this week. I have indeed. We have chosen that particular topic to tie in very nicely um, with a couple of things we're doing that are very 90s tinged right here at Hooked on Wrestling. Primarily, next week, sees the launch of a brand new podcast. And I'm particularly excited about this one because it's very, very close to my heart. Um, How Mania is its title. How Mania. And it's all about the 90s. So every week, um, Ash Rose will be hosting. So, Ash, if you don't know Ash, he is one of the co hosts of the Gorilla Position, which is one of the best WWE podcasts out there. He is uh, the editor of WWE Kids Magazine, and he's also the host of Alive and Kicking, which is, I, I think, um, the best 90s football podcast out there. So, they, similar to me, he's a man that knows his stuff in terms of 90s. And we're going to be discussing everything from you know the early 90s and the you know, Undertaker's debut and all the silliness that you've gone all around there, all the way up to, like Rob says just a few minutes ago, December 1999, across all different companies. We're going to have a different theme each week. I say we, I should be involved. I hopefully will be uh, as much as I possibly can. Um, we have a different theme each week to discuss and talk about. Uh, we'll have a guest on from the Hooked on family to talk about their favourite things in the 90s. And also, Touchwood. we're going to have a new interview with uh, one of the more fun names from the 90s, um, we're not looking to get Stings, Hulk Hogan's, the big names. We want the guys that you fondly remember, but haven't thought about for 15 years. They're the guys that we want on How Mania, because that's what it's all about. So just keep an eye out for that on uh, the uk. We will make a big noise about it. But How Mania is coming very, very soon.
0: The first thing Paul, I said to Paul when he told me about this podcast is I said, I want Henry Godwin that's who i want yes. that's who i want interviewed like he says that's not we're not getting the top brass on this one and by the way do wrong with with henry godwin but that's what that's who we're looking for someone you will very firmly see as a 90s person but it's also someone that's a little bit unexposed you're not really heard from them all that much it's not going to be the the same old interviews that you've heard with the a few other names down the years really looking forward to listening to it mate hopefully you'll have me on from from time to time hundred uh, you know, sure percent there's one or two uh topics that uh i'd like to get my teeth into that uh, i've never really discussed before nostalgia wise uh but i think i think it's very fair to say it's going to be uh it's not going to be a, a deeply analytical uh podcast it's there for it's going to be very much like wwf mania uh songs pettingill although we can maybe try and get him involved as well, we'll see I'm sure what we can you, do uh, see yeah. what you can do maybe, maybe stephanie wyand is a more uh likely scenario i don't know <laughs> uh I th- actually that's what it might be if uh if people normally do tag teams by who's the sean michaels and who's the marty Janetti, i think ash rose is the todd pettengill and you're the stephanie wyand but there we go i think, uh, I think that's probably fair but uh we're gonna have some fun with it or the, the guys are gonna have some fun with it and it's gonna be a, a fun uh trip down that uh, that nostalgia route as opposed to uh, uh 114 minutes on exactly the ins and outs of survivor series 92 i think it'll be it uh, will be good it, well it would be good but it'll be uh it'll be something done with a bit more fun than uh, than the analytical look that uh we sometimes Indeed. take uh so really looking forward to that so that's your sort of 90s connection uh as far as podcasts go so hopefully you'll all tune into that Then the plan is to be that will be uh launched next week paul if that's uh if that's right all, all being well that's the plan mate
1: yep that's absolutely the plan
0: And that will be the week building up to SummerSlam. Uh, SummerSlam takes place uh, a week from Sunday as I'm talking. You'll you'll tell me, oh, look, look what he's done. Paul Benson. Mm, He hasn't done anything uh, yet, mate. So uh, what he's trying to do and messing around on the screen, for those of you that are watching on YouTube. Anyway, it's 23rd of August uh, is SummerSlam. uh, And while we can't do what we would normally do uh, for the Hooked on Wrestling Parties, uh, what we are going to do is have fun in our own way. tell them Paul.
1: So, as you can maybe see, a slight of representation behind me. Oh no, no people no. are here listening, aren't they? Oh, my apologies. The vast majority of our listeners are in fact listening, as is the definition. So, summer slam night, August 23rd, Sunday night. Um, gutted. We can't do our normal parties. Um, we can't do our big we haven't been able to do WrestleMania, we can't do SummerSlam. This damn pandemic just will not go away. But the devil makes work for idle hands. And we just could not sit around and do absolutely nothing for SummerSlam and let another WWE event pass. So we got our heads together with the guys at Wrestle Event Merch, uh, sorry, Wrestle Merch Central. It's a really hard name to remember that for some reason. I always struggle, but it's Wrestle Merch Central, which is the new um, wrestling merchandise uh, outlet in the UK. It's an online shop essentially pro wrestling tees in the uk so do check them out they've got plenty of stores on there but not there to plug them necessarily i'm here to plug our SummerSlam virtual viewing party so those that know us and those that are familiar with our events will know there's a not just we don't just watch the pay-per-views at our parties there's a lot more besides so we're gonna we're gonna do that we're gonna bring it into your own houses so we've got the pay-per-view at midnight and we're gonna have a watch along for that We'll be sticking around. Me, Rob, Chris and a bunch of uh, other guests bobbing in and out throughout the night are going to be watching SummerSlam with you guys, commenting in and out. Um, we've also got a quiz. It's not a how party without a quiz, is it, Rob? Absolutely it just, not. It just It's not a how party without a quiz. So we're going to have a nice quiz, a pub quiz, a wrestling pub quiz, a SummerSlam themed pub quiz probably um, to, to talk you guys through. A bit of old stuff, bit of new stuff. The piece de resistance though is the night really is dedicated to a celebration of arguably the biggest moment in British wrestling history. And that's the main event of SummerSlam 92. You know, some of you listening will have been to SummerSlam 92. I was there. Um, an amazing night, you know, a night we'll never forget, but also a night that doesn't really get explored in any great depth. It's mentioned a lot. It's certainly not forgotten, but no one really goes to town. So we're going to really go to town on this. We've got some great special guests. You know, first of all, we've got a guy called Martin Goldsmith who, along with his brother, was the co-promoter of SummerSlam 92. So for those who are not in the know, you know, the WWE don't necessarily promote all these events themselves. They use local promoters to make this happen. And Martin and his brother Harvey were such promoters in London. Um, they they made it happen, essentially. They pitched it to the WWF and they brought SummerSlam over here. So Martin and Harvey, the brainchild, the brain children of, of SummerSlam 92 at Wembley. We're going to hear from Martin He's going to be live doing an interview talking about how it came to be, what they needed to do to overcome the obstacles and WWE's objections, stories from the night and backstage and all the chaos and the triumphs that happened that night. It's going to be stuff you just have not heard before. So, you know, it's going to be a
0: fascinating insight. It's worth pointing out, by the way, that Harvey Goldsmith, Martin's brother, who, as, as Paul said, co-promoted this, Harvey Goldsmith promoted Live Aid, right? Yes. Pro- probably the biggest single event that's ever taken place in this country and that's probably not an exaggeration you know h- over 100,000 people in Wembley Stadium for Live Aid in 1985 an absolutely enormous event that was a Goldsmith production um so Correct. you know this family know a few things They Harvey's certainly more known for, for rock music than, than, than professional wrestling but a huge family um, unbelievably well known in that industry and some of the stories that they'll be able to tell not just about so, uh, SummerSlam '92, but uh, other things will be. Martin will be a fan, uh, really, really interesting, fantastic guest.
1: Yep, absolutely. And then also on top of that, really our main event. We are wrapping around. We're going wa- to watch. We're going to watch the main event. We're going to watch British Bulldog against Brett the Hitman Hart for the Intercontinental Title. But we're not just going to watch it with us. We're not just going to give our perspective on it or hear your perspective. We are going to be watching along with none other than Harry and Georgia Smith. The son and daughter of the late British Bulldog. They are gonna be talking all sorts of things about their experiences from the night, how the family reacted to the to the to the events, what the fallout was, you know, their dad's career more generally, what it was like to grow up as the as the offspring of the British Bulldog, you know. We're really gonna really gonna go to town on this. We're really gonna sort of celebrate what that guy did for British wrestling and, and really pull out some amazing stories from those that know him the best, his family. So that's gonna be amazing. Also, separate mm. to that, we're gonna have a QA slash interview with the British Bulldogs' um, ex wife, uh, Diana Smith, Diana Hart Smith, who, as those in the know, will know, she was also. The uh, sister of Brett the Hitman Hart. So if those that have seen SummerSlam 92, and we suspect most of you will, the woman holding Brett Hart and British Bulldog's arms aloft in the ring as the show went off the air in that iconic image, that's Diana. And Diana's going to be with us. Um, we're going to interview her about her memories of the evening and you know what it meant to Davy and what it meant to Brett and what it meant to the wider family, you know, Stu and Helen's thoughts and the, you know the, the, the nervousness that they had and the excitement that they had. It's going to be a first-time-ever live interview about SummerSlam 92 that she's running through with us. I can't wait for that, mate. Can you? There's a lot going on, isn't there? We're going to pack a lot into uh, into four hours or so before
0: uh, the event itself. I mean, it is, we, it is we, to we totally so are.
1: Awesome. We totally so- we've, got various, we've got various other guests as well. Um, there's no point in beating around the bush. What we're trying to do in the next two weeks is we're trying to track down and get on, get on camera in some form or fashion as many people... Who performed at Summerslam 92 as we possibly can we've already got a few we've got a few videos so we're gonna have a combination of you know all being well combination of live interviews and video interviews that will play out through the night through our facebook and youtube pages um for every for anybody who's on the card at Summerslam 92 mate it's gonna be uh it's gonna be fun tracking those guys down
0: it's gonna be uh it's gonna be an interesting attempt to use technology that's for sure that's the uh there is absolutely no doubt in my mind we've got a wonderful show uh, lined up. I just hope everything to, hope everything follows how it should do, but I'm sure it will. Uh, we'll have a nice practice beforehand and it will be a golden evening, something to really look forward to, in particularly things like um, Paul said about having Harry and, and Georgia uh, to talk about the match and how they felt and what they know about it. But also, you know, you know Harry's a, a very, very experienced wrestler now. He can give us a a, a good technical insight into it, you know, what was so good about the way that Davey worked and Brett worked and certain moves that went right or went wrong, you know, for yeah. example, that very famous dive to the outside where Brett dives over and grabs Davey and pulls him down. You know, Harry, give his perspective on that. Was it, you know, brilliant, uh, was it brilliant timing? Did it go a bit wrong and then they saved it? You know, there's, there's all sorts of things that we can, uh, we can really, really do- drive down uh, into the minutiae. And indeed, as far as Diane's concerned, not just her role at SummerSlam 92 when she was in the ring at the end holding both, uh, men's arms up but what about two years later what about brett versus owen in the cage diana took yeah, a bump yeah, yeah. do you remember
1: yes i do the, yeah, the, yeah the anvil,
0: the anvil clothesline davy and diana over the over the, um, the guard mm. so uh, we can have a little bit of a chat about that as well and perhaps uh, some of her involvement as uh, as we went into around about i want to say 1996 was it she uh, six and seven she started appearing a little bit more with uh, yeah w- with right, davy yeah. as well so she's been involved uh, lots and lots in the uh, the wrestling industry lots to talk about and um, we'll be giving you guys the chance to get involved in that as well those of you that are around regularly we mentioned it on sunday night uh, during our regular quiz nights that we ho- host on facebook live and youtube um we mentioned it then and we mentioned it again here on the podcast So, those of you that are very valued uh, long-term listeners watchers people that stick around with us uh, you'll have the opportunity to um ask send your questions in uh, and we'll put the questions forward. we don't know exactly how the uh we're we going to pan out at the moment but i think it's likely that um i'll be doing the uh the smith family interviews and paul will be doing martin's but we'll uh, we'll see how it goes during the evening uh but you'll be able to send us some questions that we'll put forward for you uh, uh and we'll, we'll give you uh, the information of how you can do that a little bit near the time uh for any more information on what's going on or for a reminder uh, obviously our um social media channels on Facebook on Twitter in particular on uh, those two, but also on Instagram uh, and here on YouTube as well. Lots of information. And on the website, hookedonwrestling.co.uk forward slash Summerslam.
1: hookedonwrestlingcouk forward slash Summerslam. Um, very important to say, by the way, as well, the whole Summerslam night with us is completely free. Um all you need to do is be on our Facebook page or on our YouTube page. You'll see the live stream. It's all all you know, there's no charge, there's no admission fee to pay. You are know, just, just join us for Sunday night. Like, Obviously, the one thing we won't be doing is showing um, SummerSlam on the screen, goes without saying, uh, for most, but we just do need to reiterate it. You, If you want to watch along with that from midnight UK time with us, you'll need to be a subscriber to the WWE Network or a subscriber and a pay view purchase of BT Sport. Um, and then you can, you can watch that on one screen, as we will be doing, and commenting it on the other. Indeed. There we are.
0: Uh, and we will, uh, people always ask us when we're doing our... Um pay-per-view parties, live in, in venues about the uh, the pre-show as well. Uh, we're the pre-show, OK? You can go back and you can watch the pre-show anytime you like. But we're, would you rather watch, you know, uh, a, a six-minute match in front of no one as with, you know, Humberto Carrillo and someone else, or would you rather watch us doing brand-new interviews you've never seen before for four hours? We're the pre-show, baby. Uh, OK, so that's all that's going on on the uh, SummerSlam night, and we've taken a long time covering that, but you'll, you'll appreciate Uh, we're really excited about it. It's something completely different for us. Actually, I think it's something completely different for anybody. I don't know of anyone that's ever done this sort of thing before. Um, We are anticipating there'll be lots of interest from outside of the the usual hooked-on family, as it were. Um, But it's something you can dip in and out of. You don't need to buy tickets. You don't don't need to uh, reserve your spot. All you need to do is have the capability to uh, to jump on and off uh, on our broadcast whenever you wish on that evening. We can't wait uh to be with you and if there's any information that comes up in the meantime we'll
1: share more on the uh, the social media so you want to plug those as well paul very quickly i will indeed so if you want to go to facebook youtube or instagram um it's there you know it's facebook.com forward slash hooked on wrestling or instagram.com forward slash hooked on wrestling of course Uh, slightly different for twitter twitter is twitter.com forward slash ho underscore wrestling uh but you can as rob said earlier you can find all of those uh social media links and all the information you need as well as great content and news and articles and whatever else on uk. and there'll
0: be plenty of SummerSlam content coming your way in the next what we've got 11 or 12 days as we speak right now before SummerSlam uh, lots of nostalgia trips lots of top five lists uh, I'm sure some of our other podcast uh, partners on the Hooked on Podcast Network will be having some SummerSlam uh, specific episodes as well so everything to kind of get you in the mood uh for the event which is actually shaping up not terribly i have to say i think some of the no, look no. Of the, the last couple of weeks on raw have, you know have been a bit sketchy but there's been certainly been some uh good parts and you know rollins versus uh orton is really shaping up nicely um Mac- so uh, mcintyre mcintyre Mac- versus orton and i meant i meant seth versus dominic and mcintyre versus orton both of those matches are shaping up really nicely, I think. Uh, anyway. It's a really good card, t- yeah. It's starting to look quite good. Um, I'm not sure about the uh, the, the children throwing um, cinder blocks through windows who basically look like they're just some 15-year-olds that have had a drink at Halloween. Um, but apart <laughs> yeah. from that, it's, uh, it's quite good fun. Um, okay, let's get to the topic in hand. Today we are discussing what is the greatest 90s pay-per-view uh, in wrestling. So we are opening it up to wrestling. We're not specifically doing WWE, although I feel... There will probably be WWE heavy, mainly because that's our knowledge base, but also because WWE did dominate the 90s from, from a pay-per-view perspective. Um, WCW come into it later on, and indeed earlier on, there was some interesting stuff. And there was obviously other companies that are involved as well. But we will, hand on heart, admit that we are knowledge of, for example, uh, New Japan and ECW is you know not as great as, as others would be. So you might well be shouting yeah pay-per-views such as that that you've seen that we haven't we can only go with what we know but we do have a couple of those uh names to touch on and we'll be going to, through
1: go on, rob sorry just just to interrupt you by the way for anybody who's um who is asking about our lack of japanese representation on this is because new japan didn't actually start pay-per-views till 2007 oh, is so that, is, uh,
0: is it a specific um the definition of pay-per-view i suppose
1: i think i think it really has to be doesn't it um so yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to count anything from there. All right, fair enough. Yeah, we had we did have one suggestion of uh,
0: uh, a Super J Cup from um, 1994, I think it was, but uh, I'm guessing that uh, that was a big show that was released as a video as opposed to uh, being an actual pay per view in the, in, the, in the true sense of it. So that's that's right. an easy way out of that. Well, well explained. Um, Thank you very much. What we I think before we mention any specifics, we need to get into the fact of uh, we're trying to judge this show on a whole, and and our wording is great. Not favourite. There's undoubtedly mm-hmm. certain pay-per-views that you would say, that's such a favourite of mine because I remember it fondly. I was this age. I was a big fan of so-and-so. Uh, I had all my mates around and we watched it, or I was there. or yeah. was, you know, We could do all of those things. People will have their own little, uh, you know. Paul, for example, Paul's got a bit of a soft spot for WrestleMania 9. Um, I don't yeah. think WrestleMania 9 is in. It only just gets into the top 10 WrestleManias of that decade. In, uh, oh the, no, no sorry
1: oh yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> right you know in my opinion but you can i can understand why it's someone's favorite but hand on heart no one can seriously tell me that wrestlemania 9 is a great pay-per-view it might be something yeah. you look on back of fondly but it's not a great one so we're going to try and be going into that we'll also be looking at uh how much does one match affect things um you know for example are we going to bring up wrestlemania 13 which doesn't have a particularly good card except for one unbelievable match, which might have been the best match of the entire decade. Can that bring up an entire card? What about a great undercard but a poor main event? What about a crowd involvement? There's all sorts of things we'll be be discussing. So there's a a whole retinue of things to go through. Let's start, Paul, where we've just been talking. Let's start in London in August in 1992. You were there, 80,000 other people were there. I was probably watching it on a video about three or four weeks later because I didn't have access to those shows <laughs> at the time. A mate would have. I probably had to wait until September when I went back to school and had a yes v- VHS from someone else that had watched it, that taped it, uh, and then saw it. But SummerSlam 1992, undoubtedly for anyone of our sort of age, Paul and I are mid, some would say late thirties. Uh, and it's uh, in our wheelhouse. Some of you are a bit younger and we'll look back on it uh, fondly. It's also in this country. So that affects our uh, view on it slightly. But it was still, wherever you're from in the world, an iconic pay-per-view. Was it a great one?
1: You see, I, this, this is a, a, going to be a really interesting topic as a whole. I think I'm going to find it really hard to be objective uh, because to me, you know, there's so much nostalgia and so much emotion and so much of my childhood wrapped up. Um, in these pay-per-views through the 90s, and, and not least um, in 1992, which is, is a great place to start, by the way, because you know for me that was the year I really truly became a wrestling fan. My first event was SummerSlam 91, but in 1992 I sort of came of age um, as a fan, and I still thought it was real throughout the whole of 92. It wasn't until sort of early 93 that I realised it was not quite on the up and up. So I've got a really unique perspective. Um, SummerSlam 92. I was there, as Rob said. I was ten years old. I was with my father. Um, one of the most amazing days of my life. Um, everything about everything about the whole day is tremendous. Um, I've got hugely fond memories. But and I watch this pay per view at least once a year. Was it a great pay per view, though? That is, it's really hard to say. So we we start with a, tri- a, a tricky question right off the bat because obviously. It's got an amazing match, it's got an amazing main event between the British Bulldog and Bret Hart, one of the greatest matches of all time, one of the most emotionally charged matches of all time, one of the best crowd reactions of all time. Everything about that match is is first class, legendary, top end, whatever adjective you want to use, you can use it for that match. The rest of the card, though, is is not good. It's just objectively you know, subjectively, sorry, just not a good pay per view. It was really carried well by, you know, the British crowd was so starved for wrestling back then. And, you know, to see stars like The Ultimate Warrior and The Undertaker and Randy Savage and Hacksaw Jim Duggan and guys like that in our national stadium, made sure that everything got a great reaction. But, you know, The Undertaker match lasted three minutes and ended in a count out. Um, the main event, the world title match was a convoluted mess. Um, there were old, multiple three, two, three, four minute squash matches. Um, as was the sort of norm for pay per views in the late eighties and early nineties. It's really hard to rate, like with any sort of any sort of conviction. All I can say is that I, I you know I I've never watched a pay per view as many times as I've watched this one and I enjoy it each and every time I watch it. And that goes for the um the squash match and everything else. I think I think certainly the, the, the pageantry and the and the iconic nature of it puts it in our discussion, but it's very
0: hard to rate. I certainly think that it is part of a show. You know, you can't say, well, take away eighty thousand people, take away the fact that it's Wembley Stadium, put that card in, you know, the, the meadowlands in, in America, and what do you get then? And they said, Well, yeah, actually, you can't do that. That's not fair. Because part of the whole point was it was in London, it was at Wembley, it was eighty thousand people, it was outdoors, it was daytime. Yep. You know, you know, all of those things play in the fact it got dark later on. That's all part of a show. That, that has to factor in. And, you know, Gosh. people can debate. And, you know, even when we announced, our, when we announced this uh, on Sunday night during the quiz that we were going to be doing this, it was an almost overwhelming response of this is going to be fantastic. But one poster on that night, and I'm not knocking them for it, said it's not a great match. Brett, da- Brett versus Davey is not a great match. I don't really like it. Now, I disagree. I disagree with that opinion, and I think most people would. But that is their opinion, and they're entitled to it um but i think most people would you know objectively say it is a great match um it's full of drama it's also called really well some sometimes people will you know knock vince a little bit for not being a a great commentator because he says what a maneuver rather than telling you that it's you know a japanese arm drag or whatever but vince is on form on that night in that match he calls the match excellent vince is a much better commentator than people give him credit for in big matches um at the time, I'm saying is as because I'm you know thinking of the match in in my head. I'm not going to be be able to do it now, but I'm saying that uh, when you go back and listen, um, he works, and him and Bobby are good all night. It's uh it's a good presentation, but it's hard to think that a, a great pay per view, and I mean that with a capital G, and to be making our list is going to have you know nails versus Virgil and Crush versus Repo Man, and as you say, three minutes of Undertaker versus Kamala, um it's really hard to think i mean what's what's the what is what's the next two best matches after Bretton bulldog it's probably warrior and savage but as you say it's unsatisfying finish and maybe lod winning the winning the first match maybe, maybe lod maybe michael's martel um it's even even that's a bit were, silly you, isn't it two heel, two heels
1: that can't punch each other in the face it's like yeah quite the the drop off is is stark and yeah. i think mate i think you know when we look back on this we're going to really struggle to to sort of pick quality by today's standards because pay per views are so different. Mm. You know, they, were, they they had a different purpose back then. They were more like boxing pay per views, weren't they? And they were they were propped up by one or two big matches, and the rest was was filler. Like you imagine trying to throw, you know, going back to WrestleMania Seven for instance, and chuck the Mountie against Tito Santana onto WrestleMania nowadays. Now, <laughs> well, it just. Well, I, I, actually, this WrestleMania, they had Baron Corbin versus Elias, which harked back to that sort of thing and stuck out like a sore thumb because of it. Uh, but but it because is, of the circumstances this is, going this around. Year's
0: this year's WrestleMania was effectively seven hours, though, wasn't it?
1: So, it's Correct. Like, and it was effective. You know, it was it was a complete. It doesn't yeah. count. It just doesn't no, count. Yeah, it doesn't um count. And um, but you look at that now and, and this was prevalent in the in the early 90s. Um, right. Only for a couple of years. So I, th- I think you know what we have to do is kind of judge these in the context of, of the time, and in the context of the time, SummerSlam '92 was a fantastic pay per view. Um,
0: I think we have to take it into account. I don't think we have to only judge it in the context of its time, um, because, uh, because we have to be you know objectively saying is this better than this? It's a little it's a little bit like saying, you know, course, yeah. Is is Usain Bolt a better runner than Carl Lewis? Well, he is because he's quicker. You know, it's like, it's just a simple fact. Usain Bolt runs quicker, so therefore he's better. But I take your point um, in, in terms of understanding you sort of gra- grading it on a curve, as, as it were. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I would also say in your, your analogy to boxing, uh, in terms of you're right, if there's a big fight coming up, you know, if it's, you know, I don't know, Mayweather versus Pacquiao or something is being built up. Do you care if all the undercard matches are rubbish if the main event lives up? You know, that's not what you're, you're paying for. But then that's not really what wrestling is has been based on for a long time. Even that pay-per-view, it wasn't built on Brett versus Bulldog, was it? That's not – that wasn't – I mean, that was the main event and that was the match people wanted to see. But it wasn't the only thing that was prepared and everything else, else was thrown back. There's, you, you are still paying for, for other things. I, th- I think it would be a little bit narrow to look at it that way. But what I do think we need to look at is how important is an undercard and how important is the main event. Because I'd like to offer – the next the next one I'd like to offer – it's the SummerSlam the year before. Both of you yes. both both you and I say that it's the first pay-per-view we remember watching. So I'm very... I'm fond of this one in the way that you're fond of 92. It's probably the pay-per-view I've watched the most in, in my life, gone back and watched over and over again. I do think objectively it's a better show than 92. I think there's more or better matches in it. However, I would say I think it's a good pay-per-view for two hours. And then I think... I think the tag match between Warrior Hogan and Slaughter and his crew, I don't think it's a good match. I don't think it's enjoyable anymore. I think it's, I think it's got no good workers in it. You know, sometimes you can have people saving it. You've got five people here. At least three or four of them are very much past their best. None of them even had a best. Um, and then after that, it's how do you rate the wedding? You know, it's, it's a long, long passage of time when you just have a wedding and actually nothing goes wrong. You know, Mm -hmm. there's the the, people remember the angle with Jake and Undertaker, but that didn't happen on the pay-per-view. You know, that happened at, quote, the reception and then was shown on TV the following week, as I recall. So that's not part of the pay-per-view. So I'm not interested at all in the last hour of SummerSlam 1991. But the build-up to it, you've got Brett versus Perfect, which is a match that's probably only a tiny step down from Bretton. Bretton Bulldog is better, but not by much.
1: Uh, nope. Agreed.
0: But you, ha- you have got, you know, the opening six man is fun. If, if you're having gimmick matches, then Boss Man versus mounty with, the, with the, um, the stipulation on the end of it is better than any of those matches that were on. That, that's better, for example, than Sean versus the model in terms of it, its gimmick, gimmickiness and, and what it lived up yeah. to. You've got um, LOD and the, uh, the Nasty Boys. You've got uh, Virgil beating uh, Ted DiBiase. You know, there's plenty of, you know, other stuff on there um there's a couple of you know lower moments obviously i'm not saying that uh the natural disasters versus the the, the bushwhackers is, a, is an all-time classic um b- but i think there's a lot more to hang your hat on on SummerSlam 91 than there is on 92 but how important is the fact that the last hour the main event wrestling match and the main event wedding to me you know well, I, I get to the i get to those matches and don't really watch i skip over
1: well there's a lot to love um it's i I think it's a you know, really strong pay-per-view in, in that it's got a lot of great moments and also a lot of different moments. You know, there's a lot of variety on this show. You've got, you, you've got your, I won't recap everything you've just said, but you've got your technical wrestling match, you've got your comedy, you've got your big main event, because the thing about the main event, you're absolutely right. The workers are dreadful, but it's it's not about that. It's about the characters and it's about the ultimate good guys against the ultimate bad guys. Um and again did it work at the time i don't know i was Possibly. too young to say um but it it was an attraction there's no question about it it was an attraction um hogan and warrior teaming for the first and only time on pay-per-view uh, you know apart from the end of Survivor series 1990 it wasn't advertised um you know the slaughter was over sergeant slaughter was over as a heel in 1991 um and and it was it was it, yeah it was a bad match. a you know, work rate rise it was a bad match but there was a lot. There was a lot on the pay per view that wasn't, you know, like you, you mentioned the Legion of Doom against the Nasty Boys. It was a street fight. It was two big, tough teams beating the shit out of each other for seven and a half minutes. Perfect length for something like that. It was really well judged. Um, you know, the opening six man you mentioned was a great showcase. You know, goodies against baddies in the. It was really straightforward. This pay per view was a. It was a really straightforward. Um, Black and white, good guys versus bad guys, and most of the time the good guys won. Yeah, I was was going to
0: say it is baby face heaven. That show it was
1: it was a very very feel good pay per view. You think about you got get right from the start you got the goodies winning the faces winning the opening tag. You got Bret Hart beating Mr. Perfect. The disasters beat the Bushwhackers, but then Andre the Giant comes out who's a face by then and uh, helps the Bushwhackers run them off. Um, And 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 LOD. And LOD, yes, of course. You got Virgil winning the million dollar championship. You got the Boss Manson in the Mounties jail. The Nasties beat the. Uh, also, the Legion of Doom defeated the Nasties for the tag team title. Um, and then, obviously, the main event, Hogan and Warrior. So, you know, there's, there's, there's uh, eight matches on that card, and two of them are won by heels. Uh, yeah. and in one of those, in one of those matches, the heels are left lying. Is it IRS and Valentine? Is that the other one? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. So. Um, so it's and I and I like this. I like the fact that it's a feel-good paper. I like it it puts an exclamation point on a lot of stories. Um there's a lot there's a lot of satisfaction coming out of it. And I, I just think it's and again, going back to those words of its time, it's very representative of the early nineties wrestling. I, I think it's a really, really, really good show.
0: I agree with everything you said except for one thing. Uh, exclamation mark, dear boy. Not not point. <laughs> We're, not Amer- We're not Americans. I- my dad <laughs> oh, yeah. he knows I he knows I hate my bad even more than I hate <laughs> the point. Uh okay well, well we we often come up with something early in the podcast which is a bit of a gatekeeper suggestion um, if you beat it you're in sort of thing can we pencil in SummerSlam 91 into our final reckoning uh, yeah, most and, definitely. And, and suggest that if anything approaches that sort of standard then it's got a great chance SummerSlam 92 I think we'll probably find enough to beat it but the 92 could kind of be at place number six at the moment with 91 above it. And uh, we'll see what yeah. else we can, we can find. Uh, let's stay in 1992 for now uh, because another match that uh, has been mentioned. Uh, sorry, another show that's been mentioned several times when we've, uh, we put this out on our Facebook and Twitter. And certainly Malcolm is someone that has said the, uh, the one I'm about to say. Uh, it's also mentioned two or three times elsewhere. Uh, Matt Lambert in particular goes into it in a little bit more detail. I'll read out his post uh, in a second. Uh, But the Royal Rumble 1992. um, Clearly, it's about Ric Flair. It's about the Royal Rumble. I think when you talk about the greatest Royal Rumble matches of all time, I think that one would probably win the poll. I'm not saying it is the greatest of all time, but it's certainly up there with any others. You'd be hard pushed to find too many that are above it, and it would certainly win a vote for being the best flair's performance bobby heenan's performance uh, there's yep. so much to love about that matt lambert says uh, it's got so much greatness in it flair winning the title is the crown jewel but piper winning the ic title with his promo uh, flair's post-match victory speech with a tear in my eye uh, the first sign of a hogan backlash or other highlights the standout is bobby heenan with possibly the best ever commentary performance in history yes flair has multiple great in-ring performances but bobby takes it to the next level Uh, Donald Stewart says 100% agreed there's other people that have mentioned Rumble 92 the thing is it goes into the same conversation as the SummerSlam 92 thing what else is there but then again does there need to be anything else Paul Benson?
1: Uh, In a word no and there is some and and there is some other stuff there so you've got um, obviously the Royal Rumble match speaks for itself it's over an hour from bell to bell. But really the whole presentation is what, an hour and 20 when you're taking the video packages, the post-match interview, the ring introductions, Jack Tunney doing his thing. It's an hour and 20. It's, it's nearly half the pay-per-view. Um, and, and the fact that it's for the title underlines exactly. that, thing that we were talking about
0: before in terms of what you're there for, the boxing mentality of the main event, the one show. And actually, if you bought that pay-per-view, you bought it
1: for that Rumble match. No question, but then you look at that, and you also look the second um, the second thing the show's got going for it is Roddy Piper defeating the Mountie for the Intercontinental Championship. Not a good match by any stretch of the imagination, but it's Roddy Roddy Piper winning his only singles title in the WWF. It's a moment. It's a really feel good moment, and people loved it. And let's not forget that opener. You know, the New Foundation against the Orient Express. Damn good opener. It's okay. Fifteen, fifteen. Minutes. It's a good tag team match. It's a fifteen so, minute. WWE did a lot of that, a lot of that in that area. They'd put on a an exciting, interesting, no stakes tag match to open to open the show. I um,
0: think. I actually think sometimes people get that a bit confused because the year before, I think I'm right in saying the year before was the Rockers and Your Is That right. That was tremendous. Yeah, but that and that's was, amazing. That tremendous. But I, I, I think isn't people that. get that. No, I know it's not that. And I know you know it's not that. But I think sometimes people go, oh, it's not just the Ric Flair's match. But the opening tag match was amazing. It's like the opening tag match was all right. The Rockers match the year before was the amazing one. I think people sometimes get those two conflated.
1: Sure. I'd, I'd go much better than Araya. I'd say really good, really fun. But it's not as good, not on a level as the, uh, as the year before, which was excellent. Um, yeah, the two other tag team matches on the card, the, the Beverly Brothers against the Bushwhackers, is 15 minutes of shite. And uh, and the disasters against the Legion of Doom is, is similarly dull. But it doesn't matter because the the main event, the Royal Rumble match, it's just, it's got so much star power. And just, just, just to treat it as one match is almost unfair because you've got so, you know, look at all the all-time greats in that match. Hogan, Flair, Undertaker, Savage, Jake Roberts, Shawn Michaels, um, Sid Justice, uh, the British Bulldog, Ted DiBiase. The list goes on and on and on. Um, Skinner, um, it's just <laughs> it's just incredible. Like the, the star power in that match, is incredible, and the booking and the story told is is just so so good. Um, I think if this match alone was all that was presented on the pay per view, if literally there was nothing else from start to finish, if it pay per view opened with Jack Tunney and those and those video packages they used to do the little one on one interviews with the combatants, if that was it. This would be in contention. It was sensational.
0: It really is very good. I mean, my instinct wants that once I want a complete show, you know, I want something from bell to bell, from start to finish, sorry, with lots of great matches, lots of great content. But if there if there is a pay-per-view in the 90s, which we can break the rule for, because I'm not sure we can break it for SummerSlam 92 as, as feel good as that is to to us and we can't break it for wrestlemania 13 i don't believe with brett and austin there's simply not enough else going with it but this is the main event this is what everyone tuned in for and it is an unbelievable performance by flair by heenan and by so many other people uh on that uh, card it's a rumble with a story this is the the thing is that rumbles it's not just about who's in there but it's about how the stories that you know go through it you know I'll tell you what's an underrated Rumble. I'm not going to throw this in as necessarily as a choice, but the following year is a great Rumble match as well, 93. There's yeah. no, but there's lots of, there's lots of sure bits is. that make up 93. There's Backland being in for a long time. There's the Giant Gonzalez and Undertaker. There's Flair and Perfect. You know, there's Yokozuna. There's lots of bits that are in that Rumble that make it a really good Rumble match. Not as good as 92, um, which is Flair dominated, but there are the little bits that go along. But it's such a great narrative. Um, I, think it, I think it's going to be in our shake-up. I think if we come up with three or four better than that, then you know, cool. But I think it's going to have to be in nice our shakeup, don't you? Definitely, yeah. It, it needs knocking off rather than adding 2 Let's put it that way. Yeah, no, noting that down. Um, let's stick with Rumbles. Let's just kind of whiz through the '90s in terms of Rumble. Is there any other Rumble show? And I'm not talking Rumble match <laughs> Rumble show that you can put up there because it's a it's a hard pay per view to assess the Raw Rumble because the Rumble match dominate so much
1: it's quite hard it is. to judge them
0: as i've got one in my mind that i think could possibly be in the chat
1: yeah similarly because there weren't you know after 92 there weren't too many um too many great royal Rumble matches and as you said that it tends to live or die you know by by that match i'd be looking at and i just want to really mention i don't think it's going to to make the list but i think royal rumble 97 is the only one i would um i would put forward Agreed. um it's got a, it's got a really good rumble with austin winning over Bret hart with his with his uh, false finish at the end that led into the final four rematch it's got uh, vader in a really good match against the undertaker um it's got do you remember the um armand johnson against Peru match total garbage brawl it was it was ridiculous but it was fun at the time it was just armand johnson wreck, wrecking guys it was huge it was massively massive you know Johnson against Farouk at the time was full of heat. Like, they, you really believe those guys hated each other and this mm. was just Ahmed Johnson working his way through the nation of domination, smashing them all to pieces and it was it was cool. Um, the moment and when then, of Johnson course,
0: comes out during the Rumble and eliminates Farouk with the, the biggest piece of wood you've ever seen in your life, is <laughs> the yep. biggest pop of the Rumble. It's an is it really? Noise. It's, well, maybe not the, the biggest, maybe you know Brett's music might be bigger, but you know the noise that that crowd, and it's remember it's at the Alamo Dome, so it's the great big, what was there sixty thousand yep. people or whatever, biggest crowd at the time Something for like any show like that outside of Mania, and just the noise kind of like went Someone's in like waves to the yeah, um the noise in North America, the, the noise just like goes back in waves, and um you know you can hear the the and oh uh, you know Ahmed Johnson is a really you could do there's a there's a show for you on how Mania, I want a show on Ahmed Johnson. Just With to try pleasure. go through, it's probably not your priority, but certainly a few months into the pod, have an, an, an analysis on the career of Ahmed Johnson, because it's a, it'll be a hell of a story. Um, but yeah, anyway, go back to that Rumble 97. There's all that that's in there. Um, you know, the open, the opener, which as I recall, is Triple H and Gold Dust is, is OK. Um, it's a good crowd. It's a good story to the... Uh, uh, to the Rumble, the the Rumble is the most stacked Rumble you've ever seen in terms of like the last ten or twelve wrestlers that are in it. Almost every oh, single God, one yeah. of the last ten or twelve wrestlers is either a bona fide legend, Hall of Famer, or is someone that was a you know respected hand, such as Flash Funk, you know obviously when he was Too Cold Scorpio, Henry Godwin, who we've already mentioned on this podcast, and everyone else. It's like The Rock in his early days, Terry Funk, Mankind, Undertaker, Vader, Bret Hart, Stone Cold, Steve Austin, um, the Fake Diesel, but then that's Kane. You know they're all in there at the end. Um, you know Rocky Maivia. Uh, so yeah. Re- I think it's a really excellent rumble. And then you know Sean, you know Sean versus Sid. You know it's not an absolute mega classic because you know you're never going to get moment. a classic out of Sid. And you know Sean wasn't very well. But if you're if you're allowed to include Hogan doing the business, Hogan and Warrior doing the business in their tag match, you're absolutely allowed to include Shawn Michaels winning the world title in his hometown. Um, because as you say, it's a moment. It's not, and it's not a bad match. It's just not a not as good as it possibly could have been. I, I think this should be in our discussion at the end, um, you know, because I'm not absolutely sold that we'll definitely, definitely, definitely be able to find four or five better. So I, I think it should be, you know, I think it should be on our medium list. We try to think if this is the long list, we're working towards a medium list and then we'll knock it down to a short list of five. I think it should make the medium list.
1: Uh, yeah, I think so too. I think um, I think it's great. I Like you say, the Shawn Michaels-Sid match was a moment it was you know a real sort of historic coming out party for Shaw michaels yeah yeah this is this is this is in contention for sure uh okay um we've just done
0: rumbles one thing one other thing i want to get out of the way is another uh i won't call it a gimmick pay-per-view but it's certainly a very themed pay-per-view what i want to cover in fact, two of them yep. i want to cover two of them and then we'll sort of open up a bit wider Um, I want to start with, let's do Survivor Series, right? Because I think Survivor Series, like the Rumble, it's kind of hard to judge Survivor Series because of the nature of a lot of Survivor Series events having uh, the tag teams, you know, the four on four, five on five. It's almost impossible to have an all-time great four-and-a-half-star classic Survivor Series match. They don't come along very often. Um, I only have one Survivor Series to me that possibly could be chatted about on that kind of level. I wonder what your thought is um there's one that's a bit of an outlier and there's another one that's uh, that's a good survivor series in the in
1: the old-fashioned
0: style but i'd like to hear your thoughts
1: i've got quite a few like okay. actually i think i've got more survivor series than i have any other wwf pay-per-view which is bizarre but i but i think i have i'll start at the top and i'll start with the one that if you if you told me i could only put one forward in the discussion the best survivor series of the 90s it's 1998 okay this was what i knew we were going to have a discussion about but uh, okay go on okay survivor series 1998 there has never been in history and i would i would fight you to my grave on this one there has never been a better booked pay-per-view in wrestling history and that's okay. vince russo's work it was an, a phenomenal story told throughout you know you've got the deadly game tournament forget everything else to be honest you know this is all about the tournament um the Deadly Game Tournament, the WWF title, and the shenanigans that went on with The Rock and Mankind and the McMahons and the Big Boss Man and Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Undertaker and Kane, all intertwining um, to create a phenomenal story that no one saw coming. You, know, you had Mankind as the, you know, as the corporate puppet, as it looked like, being given easy shots and, and an easy patchy through to the final. And then you've got The Rock, who seemed to be um, having barriers put in his way. But it just wasn't the case the corporation were, were it was so good it was so well constructed every layer of it made logical sense at the time in what you thought you were looking at and then when you went back and looked at the big twist at the end it made completely logical sense then and that is rare as rocking horse shit when it comes to wrestling isn't it um you know you can you cannot pick holes in this show is the match quality good? absolutely not there's not a good match on the show they're all short they're all you know there to serve a purpose but i love this tournament for the story told i think it's there's not a better story of a pay-per-view that i've ever seen this brings up i think another
0: question in terms of how we uh label greatness in this particular environment i don't disagree with anything you just said at all but this is nowhere near my list and the reason is because i think it's I think it is, and it's my definition, of this by the way. So you might disagree with me. The people might disagree with me, but I think of a great pay-per-view as being something I will go back to and watch again and again and again, and again, I've watched this maybe twice because I know the end, okay. it's everything is about the story and you're right. It's perfectly done. It's brilliantly executed at the time. It's, you know, it's ingenious, but I don't see, there's no reason to go back and watch it again because it doesn't hold me for three hours because I know what's happening. I'll tell you what I'll compare it to, and you're the film guy, not me. You know that I've not seen lots and lots of films, right? But one of the most overrated films that I have ever seen is The Empire Strikes Back. I can't bear The Empire Strikes Back. I think it's really, really, really boring, right? And I'm not a big sci-fi guy anyway, but I don't mind Star Wars. But I think The Empire Strikes Back is massively overrated. But the reason probably I think that is because I knew the ending before I watched the film. It's in the zeitgeist. I'm not spoiling anything, by the way, by giving away the ending of a film that took place 40 years ago. But at the end of the film, you find out that Darth Vader is Luke Debb Skywalker's father, right? And that is the whole point of that film. In fact, it's the whole point of the first two films. That's what it's building up to. But if you know that, nothing happens in it. And there's, there's not a lot, that's the, that's the big story point that takes you on to film three. And once you know that, it's, it's a bit of a dull watch. It's a bit hard to get through. And this is what I have here. Now, I think Survivor Series 98 is almost, I think if we were doing the best ever Raws, and this would happen to be a three-hour raw special, it'd probably win it. Do you know what I mean? Because to, to me, this feels like a three-hour raw. It doesn't feel like a pay-per-view. That's, it might sound like a weird thing to say. But I, just, I, I am not going to ever go back and watch that over and over again. Because, you know, it's, um, it's one of those shows that's hard to, you know, that, that, that's
1: hard to pin down. Sure. Well, that's very symptomatic of the late 90s, isn't it? You know, every, everything felt like a Raw show, really. It was all Crash bang Wallop. It just happened that this one was much more thought out than your, than your average episode of Raw or a pay-per-view. But everything, was, everything had a, a story to it. So, um, well, let's I'll tell you what. Let's come back to that when we get to the end. There might be stuff that beats it out. Um, but let's hold it for now, yeah? Yeah, OK. Um, you,
0: that's the... OK, what was... I'll tell you the Survivor Series that I thought of uh, in terms of a bit more of a kind of uh, a more of an old fashioned Survivor Series that has Survivor Series matches, but also has other stuff going on. Uh, 1995. I think that's yep. the one that stood out for me as having, you know, a lot of the actual... I'm not a Survivor Series fan. I was never sold on, the, on the, the concept of it because to me, the four on fours didn't mean or five on five didn't mean anything. You know, there was no prize at the end. There was no honor, really. It was just a bunch of people stuck together for no real reason, having a match. And I didn't really get much out of that. But this one, sure. to me, had more different stuff on it. It has it has a very, very satisfying main event title match. Very satisfying. And um, am I right in saying this is the one that starts with the uh, the 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 four and four that's got Marty Ginetti and the one two three kid and and You're... and th- th- those kind of crew in it? That is a fantastic. You're absolutely right. For the- a great story told. I think it's a really, really decent pay-per-view. I think it's the only surviving Series that I would offer up.
1: Well, you're, I think, I think you're on something. Because not only, I've just got the card in front of me now, but not only does it have that great match to start, it then goes into that fantastic four-on-four women's match. Uh, where it is um, oh, Team yeah, yeah, yeah. against Team Alundra which is brilliant. Yeah. Um, the main event, the World Title match between Bret Hart and Diesel was, as you say, superb. Really sort of the prototype for what the attitude era became, really. Great match um and then the wild card match as well which again it was you know we say it a few times was it a great match in the ring no of course it wasn't but was it an interesting match absolutely and it was fun to see the faces and the heels interacting in a different way And it told a really good story um mate i you wouldn't get a single argument off me from uh from discussing this one later that's for sure
0: okay cool um in terms of other survivor series i'm trying to see what other suggestions we had from people Andrew scrimshaw said uh, survivor series ninety eight um, as you mentioned just there um, but did, is there any other ones that you wanted to um you wanted to offer up quickly
1: um, not with any great conviction i think um, there's a, there's a whole bunch that I found immensely fun um, but i couldn't really put up if I tried to argue for them you could eviscerate me quite easily i'd <laughs> say the only yeah especially looking at 1990 and 91 two really enjoyable shows but there's too many holes in them to really consider them the best of the decade but both really really fun for what they did and you're right when you look at the watchability factor probably actually i've seen those more than i've seen 98 uh by choice so yeah i'd go with those two but i don't think we need to go into any depth with them because they're not going to hit our list
0: okay you just broke up your I think paul might have gone he was breaking up a little bit towards the end of that um uh okay what we'll do here folks is that uh, we record this now because we record this via the um the youtube channel uh and then we'll take the recording later on for the uh the podcast it's a little bit difficult to <laughs> add this together at this point what we'd normally do is have a recording break and then come back and uh record the rest of it but it's a bit tricky to do that so hopefully paul is trying to get his internet back well i'll, I'll tell you what we'll do while well, then while paul's away uh briefly uh trying to get his internet back um which i presume is the issue maybe there's a thunderstorm in deepest darkest yorkshire um i'll do some of the comments i'll i'll lift some of the comments that we've um we've had with some suggestions let's go back on the uh, the twitter feed uh i'll keep away from a couple of the ones that we're going to deliberately hold back um on because i know we're going to talk about them at some stage but as i mentioned malcolm definitely said rumble 92 um Andrew Scrimshaw offered a few up and I thought they were interesting because he put one-liners afterwards and they're not necessarily ones that you might expect. But Andrew said, excuse me, Andrew said, Summerslam 92, great atmosphere and some very good matches. We've covered that a bit. Survivor Series 98, great story from start to finish and great twist at the end. I mean, that is important. Like I did say, it's not one I go back to and watch, but we do have to think about whether, you know, in the moment, how satisfying it is, is. Is that as important as going back and watching over time? Uh raw Rumble nineteen ninety-nine, really good pay-per-view to portray that era. That's another good point actually. If you go back on ninety-nine is that's the, the one that Vince wins, isn't it? So I'm not convinced that that's full of great action, but it's a reasonable undercard. It certainly overacts. If you go all the way through that, the crowd reactions to to Rumble ninety nine, the crowd is really, really into it. Um uh in terms of you know who who's coming through. And again, the Vince story, it's not a great um raw Rumble for action. But you do have a very clear story of, of Austin and Vince and the corporation and the, the bounty on Austin's head, them coming back, uh, the Undertaker making an appearance and the sacrifice of uh, Mabel into Viscera. Um, so there is some stuff going on. Like I say, we didn't come up when we were talking about the Rumbles. and I think the ones we've mentioned are probably going to feature higher, but I don't, wouldn't have it, I'd have it nearer the top half than the bottom half, as it were. Um, Andrew also mentions WrestleMania 12, uh, and he says good matches and very entertaining Goldust versus Piper fight. WrestleMania 12 is obviously dominated by, um, by Sean and Brett, um, the Iron Man match. And it's a polarizing match. It's one of the, those matches that some people think is the greatest match of all time. And some people will think is terrible. Paul and I have covered this lots of times on this version of the podcast and others. So I basically know what he would say without him being here. I'll ask him when he comes back, but um, I know what he would say. Um, Paul doesn't like that match at all. Um, the uh, the Iron Man match, I think it's all right, but I think it's I think it's largely. But the people that love it, I think overrate it. Brett loves it. The pieces, I think I think he overrates it slightly. I think, for example, you know, you know, I've got I've got the Hitman shirt on. You know, Brett's my favorite wrestler of all time, but I think there are you know I can think of eight or nine better Brett matches than. Uh, than the Iron Man match easily. I think Brett versus Diesel from Survivor Series 95 that I just mentioned, I think is better than the Iron Man match in terms of the story told in the match, how it concludes, etc. I think there are moments where the Iron Man match drags, although technically speaking, you know, it's exceptional. But for example, that's an hour and the flare rumble is an hour. And I know what I'd rather watch there. So I don't think WrestleMania 12 is going to come into it. Clearly we're going to get into Mania's. We haven't really gone into WrestleMania's yet uh, as part of the chat. But I doubt 12 will come up. Uh, If Paul brings it up, it's a miracle because he'll have changed his opinion over the last little while. Um, Adam Farnsworth says Survivor Series 99. Adam Pearson says No Mercy 99 uh, has the finals of the Terry Invitational Tournament that set the bar for ladder matches for the next 20 years. Very, very fair point. That's an outstanding match. Sometimes overlooked because of the TLC matches uh, that started to come up after that. Uh, But uh, that ladder match is an absolute belter. I have to be honest. I can't think of too much other stuff that's on that show. If I were to get the the lineup of the show in front of me and look at it, then perhaps I would change my tune. But ultimately, if I don't know what's on that, was it really, you know, that great a pay per view? Um, I might have a look at it in a minute and just see what I can uh, what I can remember. Uh, my old mate Paul Inwood, who was the uh, the main man behind PSI events, if you guys remember that far back when we used to do bring over uh, people like Sean Brett, Jr. Chris Jericho, etc. on some of those shows with PSI events. Um, good, good to hear from Paul. Uh, he says WrestleMania in 1993. I don't care what anyone says what he means, WrestleMania 9. Um, the point I made, I actually I sent him a message back on that and I said, now sometimes you get magazines, glossy magazines that will have, oh, hello, Paul, he's back. I'm just finishing a point on WrestleMania 9 so you've timed it well.
1: Oh, um, good. Uh, you've to the world's foremost WrestleMania 9 expert.
0: Yes. Um, so what I'm saying is that some people, glossy magazines will sometimes have lists where they have the 10 best dressed people and the 10 worst dressed people. And, and you'll often get someone like Russell Brand who'll be on both lists because some people right. think he's a style icon and some people think he dresses like a Zoom. Well, I think WrestleMania 9 is almost one of that is on that list. I think if you ask the best <laughs> of WrestleMania people love WrestleMania 9 for the reasons like you do. But if you said what's the worst, if we'd have done worst pay-per-views in the 90s, people would have gone WrestleMania 9. Um, totally.
1: So I th- that would have featured you- in there. I I did think in the intro to the podcast, you did slightly misrepresent my views in that I, you know, I know WrestleMania nine is not a good pay-per-view, but my my view on WrestleMania nine is when you say to people, what is the worst WrestleMania of all all time, the vast majority without even thinking it's like Pavlovian. They just say WrestleMania nine. It's not because there's a fun element to it. It's a, there's the matches don't make sense. There's very little build to a lot of them. Um, most of the matches aren't actually very good. In fact, the the best match on the card is a the Steiner brothers against the head shrinkers in a nothing tag team match halfway through the the first part of the card. But there's just a lot to to like. If we can get our heads out of our asses as wrestling fans and forget that it's not always about, you know, making sure Dave Meltzer thinks the star ratings are right or making sure it's the most epic event of all time. It was a fun throwaway pay-per-view that was built. Just to, just to be silly fun, um, you know, they, they they built it with bloody really fake Julius Caesar and Cleopatra and held it in a car park, mocked up to look like the Colosseum. It just if you take it in the spirit that it is, it's a fun. Three hours. It is not troubling our list. It's not. It's it's probably in the bottom ten pay views of the nineties, but it's not the worst WrestleMania of all time, and not even close.
0: I think what it is is that um, that sometimes there are football matches between. Really, really good teams that are good organized, good, they're well organized, good defensively, excellent on the ball, and they sort of cancel each other out. Everything they do is really, really, really good technically, but it ends up being, you know, one nil. WrestleMania nine is Plymouth Argyle five, Grimsby Town four. You know, yes, it's it's rubbish, and there's bad refereeing decisions, and three red cards, and you know, one goal where the goalie lets it get through his legs, and it's. But it's entertaining for its, you know, for its silliness. But you're not really suggesting it's as good as Manchester City versus Real Madrid. But sometimes it's more enjoyable watching lower league football be comedic than it is watching all the big I boys. There, there was I one know. other thing that we talked about while you were away that I want to touch on uh, because I just want to confirm. I, I gave an opinion on your behalf, which is not fair, but I, I want you will you will, but you will underline it. I basically gave my opinions on why I think the main event of WrestleMania 12 is overrated. It's not a bad main event, but I think it's overrated. I think you do think it's a bad main event.
1: I think it's the most disappointing wrestling match of all time. You know, you you look at the builds of those two, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, genuine animosity, uh, the best two wrestlers on the planet at the time. I don't think many people would argue with that. Wrestling for 60 minutes in an Iron Man match that had never been seen before in WWE on the biggest stage of them all. And they misjudged it massively. They, they, they went up their own arse. They went. They, they thought that they could put on sixty minutes of plodding, methodical action, and people would buy it as exciting. They didn't. They just didn't. It was. It was a great showcase of how much cardio these guys had gotten, how many wrestling, dif- different wrestling moves each knew, and obviously they know rather a lot because they're two of the greatest of all time. But put it together in that context, and it was utterly dull um again i i find you know this is one of those points i would argue till the cows came home you know if you thought that match was excellent tell me why tell me why that you think it was actually excellent what was excellent about it rather than you badge it as excellent because of who it was and what stage it was on and it should be excellent go back and dissect it and tell me exactly what was good about it and we'll have a discussion i don't think many people honestly could back that up well, it's absolutely
0: it's it's absolutely impeccably um, executed, to use a a Brett phrase. Indeed, but that's Indeed. that's one of the things that's good about it. Um, but it's not it's got it doesn't have excitement. Um, See this, which is what re- wrestling yeah. is most. You know, for for example, um, it is one million times better executed than none, uh, than Warrior versus Hogan from WrestleMania Six, but Warrior Ho- Warrior Hogan is more exciting, and it's not it's not a better See wrestling match, but it's more exciting. You're showing See, me an empty
1: glass. glass. I'm showing you an empty glass. Impeccable engineering. Precision engineering has gone into making this glass. It's faultless. Yeah, yeah it's not, not going to in it, though. Is it exciting? Did For I open it? Oh, I've got the greatest. Not until you put some glass. iron
0: brew in it, and it would be exciting. <laughs> some whiskey and cherry Coke. But my is point the, is, Michael's Brett is the nil-nil between two big teams that I just talked about. Um, it's, but it's the, I tell you what would is, have
1: changed. It's the, it's the FA Cup final where neither side wants to give an inch. The thing is, in a football
0: match, is that you always know it's going to be ninety minutes, and the one that scores the most goals wins. If football was next goal wins, it would be a bit of a different um, element to it. And I think that match suffered by being an Ironman match. I think if it <laughs> had just been Brett versus Sean main event, and they'd have done exactly the same match, it just happened to have a sixty-minute time limit. It would have been inordinately better because at any moment you think the match could end. And when it doesn't, and when it goes past half an hour and the announcers could be going, my goodness, we've been going 40 minutes. This is the longest match in WrestleMania history. Neither of these guys can beat the other one. And if they looked more and more frustrated that they couldn't beat the other one and it was going on, they were going, we've gone past 50 minutes. This is extraordinary. The But they didn't do that. And they just could just kind of, OK, still nil nil. Still nil nil, and I think as a wrestling fan, even at WrestleMania 12 in the kind of early days of people being a bit savvy, I think you could tell once it got over half an hour that you knew it was going to be you know, it was either going to be one nil in the last minute or it was going to go nil nil in extra time, which is what it did. Um, so I just think I think you can change that immediately by having the same match move for move, but the context is first, first, um, first pin wins like, like a normal match, basically just make it a normal
1: match. Could not agree more. Do you know what would have improved that match in inextricably? Biggie yeah, would have but taken yeah. for a hard place. Oh,
0: Biggie would have your been that <laughs> <laughs> Bringing it up again, arsehole. And um, Paul's an asshole. Big Biggie's not an asshole. Big Biggie's all right, but uh, uh, you need to see last week's podcast for that one. Um I was just while you were having your. Uh, enforcement enforced break from your technology uh, i was just going through some of the comments online that i'd picked out and i just want to do a couple more and i'm doing i'm, I'm skirting around some of the, the, the ones that we either ha- i'm not including the ones we haven't talked about yet but i am including some of the ones that we probably won't get to um but uh i just want to add a, add a couple more uh will kitchen says uh, wcw spring stampede 99 is a variety of brilliant matches exciting finishes no stupidity a revved-up crowd and a new world champ that wasn't one of the usual suspects. Uh, and Francis um, goes with him. He's got a couple, some of which I'll hold back. He mentions Spring Stampede 94, uh, including a, a flare steamboat match. It was the best match that year. It was good, but I think in terms, of, um, in terms of if you've got a flare steamboat match, I think the fact that they had several better ones five years earlier kind of holds against this one. Yeah. Uh, and he also yeah. says about um, Mayhem in Manchester, a good UK pay-per-view. Uh, the week after Mania 14, and he says about King of the Ring 96 uh, with the start of the Austin era. We sort of covered King of the Ring, didn't we, um, a few weeks ago when we did the best Kings of the Ring uh, in terms of the the people winning them. So we'll come back to King of the Ring in a second. Uh, But just to, um, I want to wrap up Survivor Series before we go on to any of the things that we might have missed off and then get into a few deeper ones because we need to get through these a little bit sharpish because we did a much longer intro today uh sure. any any other survivor series shouts before we move on because i want to do king of the ring next and then just cover that
1: yeah absolutely um i want to i want to nominate survivor series 96 okay interesting okay. um you know foremost you know there's, there's a number of reasons um the starting point being it's in madison square garden in front of a very hot crowd Does um help. it felt it felt exciting um Incredible first time match between Stone Cold Steve Austin and Bret Hart. Incredible match. Um, a very good main event. Sid and Shawn Michaels again. Same as Survivor Series, same as uh, we went to in Royal, Royal Rumble 97. A better match. Sid's best match ever and a really good story. Um, really strong main event. The debut of The Rock in a really good Survivor Series match. Tons of fun that match, if you remember right. The the four cartoonish heels against the four four baby faces. It was right to be the opener or very low down the card. It shouldn't have been anywhere close to the main event, but it was, it was fun for a survivor series match. Um and that was pretty much it, really. That's the they're the only real highlights. And you know, you've got Superblind Jimmy Snooker coming out again at Madison Square Garden for a really good reaction. Uh but I, I think that I think that's just a Survivor series that deserves a, a shout.
0: I can definitely remember as far as it was 96, I would have been 12. I can definitely remember chatting to my mates the following day or a couple of days later when we'd all seen it. And we all thought it was really cool that Superfly came out as the surprise guest. You know, we all went, oh, wow, Superfly. And actually, if you go online now, because obviously last night I did a little bit of, you know, what do people think are the, are the best pay-per-views of the 90s to uh, try and get a bit of a gauge. When people bring up that pay-per-view, they tend to bring up the fact that the surprise entrant, the surprise partner, was a disappointment. Because I think it was one of those examples of wrestling fans building up in their minds that it was going to be someone utterly monumental. There's even some suggestions that people thought it was going to be Randy Savage's return, you know, and and things such as that. And actually, it turned out to be Superfly and people went, oh. Whereas I never had that expectation as a kid. I was, you know, oh, wow, Superfly's back. Um, Although I do think, no, I won't get into that. But I was going to say, I think Jimmy Stook is one of the most overrated acts, at least went on for far too long. I think in his heyday he was probably was very good, but he went on for so long afterwards as a, as a really terrible wrestler that it kind of taints what he did earlier on. Um, but anyway, that's another tough topic for another day. Uh, I, I just, I don't, I sort of you make a good case actually for um, for ninety six. I just think I, I don't buy that any of those Survivor Series
1: matches were all that good. Um What a, maybe Undertaker, mankind will tip it yeah, over for you?
0: No, it's not that good either because it's the silly one with the shark cage and whatever. And, and Undertaker comes down the, in that bat costume, and it's
1: it's the it's the lesser one, but it's still you know it's still they had so it's many the they, end of their rivalry. They had so many it's better matches. Them. They had so
0: many better matches than that building up, building up to it. I, I think that was a disappointing match. Um, and it is a better it is a better main event than one might expect because of Sid, and it's a certainly very interesting. The, crowd, the fact that the crowd were very pro-Sid and very anti-Sean, as I often it's say. It's on it the shows long what, list, anyway. It's on the long it list. Shows what, uh, it shows what the so-called revered Madison Square Garden crowd know, that they thought Sid was better than Shawn Michaels and thought Rock wouldn't amount to anything. Um, and then they all cheered <laughs> when Cena returned, didn't they, in about 2012 or whenever that was. And then they, about four seconds later, realized oh, no, we're supposed to boo this guy. We can't get excited, <laughs> can we? Arseholes. Uh, anyway... Um, <laughs> Yeah, we'll put it on the long list. I'm not convinced it will make it, but it's, uh, you, can, uh, you, can, you can stick it down, sir. Fine, fine. King, Let's of, the, do that King of the Ring. Um, Francis mentioned uh, King of the Ring 96 with Austin. We covered that the other week. I think we only just put Austin onto our top five list of Kings of the Ring. Um, I don't think there's a King of the Ring pay-per-view that came to my mind as being anywhere near this list. To me, the nearest would be 93 because of the, the the three Bret Hart matches. Um, yeah. When we did the best King of the Ring, we came down on the fact that we thought the best King was Owen, and that was more because of how Owen played the character, as well as it being a good story and some good matches. I think the best single, King, single night King of the Ring performance is Bret's, and I don't think it's even close. But there's not really anything else on that show, and a couple of the matches are good, but they're quite short. I don't think there's enough on that whole show to make it a viable contender, as much as I love Bretton, as much as I think it's a great performance?
1: Probably not, but the tournament was exceptional. And the other matches on the card card were very fun. Again, judging them in the context of the early 90s, when our in-ring expectations were far lower, and rightly so, because it was all about being entertained rather than anything else. But you go back and look at the Intercontinental title match between Crush and Shawn Michaels, really decent match really match, and one of my favorites um and again a personal favorite i don't expect many people to agree but i really enjoyed at the time and probably would again if i watched it now the eight man tag uh the steiners and um the smoking guns against money inc and help me out yeah the head shrinkers and i thought that was a really fun little match um not winning any awards not tipping anything over the edge but I think King Ring '93 is maybe better than people remember, but probably not good enough to to write down any further on this. I certainly think if we were doing
0: the, the just, we had this conversation. What's the best '90s King of the Ring pay per view? I think it's this one. It's that. Um, yeah. but uh, you know, I I, I I struggle to push it any further. Stick it on the stick it on the medium list, but I don't think we'll uh, get too deep into it. But we've done a lot of WWE stuff. We'll come back. We've not we've not really done. WrestleMania yet and we've not got into the sort of 97, um, you know, post that era when we started to have more pay-per-views and more different ones. So, But we will get there, trust us. Um, Give me something outside of the WWF bubble, Paul.
1: Okay, I will. I'll give you something I'm not normally a fan of, but I do happen to have sought this pay-per-view out uh, because it's very good. Um, Heatwave 98 from ECW. Have you seen it? Uh, I probably have seen it at
0: some point, I don't remember the one you're talking about. I have to say, to me, ECW pay-per-views don't have any identity. Do you know how, I, how you can remember? I 100% a because it's a, it's a SummerSlam or it's a King of the Ring. Even WCW, I think, struggled. You know, I, I struggle to remember the difference between Super Brawls and, um, you know, and you know, other different wrestle, uh, you know, wrestle Wars and whatever. I struggle to remember the differences between uh, certain
1: WCW things. But uh, I probably would have seen the heat wave. Remind me. Well, unquestionably, you're right. Um, nobody branded pay per views like WWE, but HeWeb98 was um, probably, in terms of quality, the pinnacle of ECW on pay per view. It was the biggest, highest grossing ECW pay per view, as it happens. They did nearly 100,000 buys, which is pretty bloody good when you think about it, the size that of that company. A lot, it? At yeah, that absolutely. time, yeah, that was their best. Um, the matches you will recognize this pay per view for, there's, there's, three. there's three that you'll remember it for in particular you got Taz against Bam Bam Bigelow when they did the Falls Count Anywhere match for the uh, FTW Heavyweight oh. Championship. Is it the one, is it the one that w- when they went through the ring? Correct. Yeah, yeah. I, bl- I believe so. I'm saying that with an asterisk. I believe it is. Yeah. Um, I'm going to look it up in a second. The best match on the card, in my opinion, this is one I went back and watched it specifically for. It's the uh, ECW tag team match. Uh, tag team title match, shall I say. It's Rob Van Dam and Sabu Against Hayabusa um, and the guy that we know as we know better as Hakushi, but here is Jinsi Shinzaki. Um, yeah. What what a match! What a match! Just a brilliant tag team match. Um, if you've not seen it, anyone, go out of your way to watch that match as soon as you can. Just wonderful. Needs no context at all. It's just a great match. And then the third one, um, Mike Mike Awesome against Masato Tanaka. I'll say no more.
0: Well, you know, they tended to have you know some very extreme matches. Obviously, people will probably be most familiar with the one night stand from two thousand and five uh, match. But uh, there's a reason why that match was on that particular reunion show. It's because of what came before. So, uh, correct, yeah. Perhaps a bit harder to watch in the in the in the, the current climate. But again, we're not we're not talking about what would be acceptable in twenty twenty, are we? We're talking about what it was at the time. So
1: you're right. And by the way, I sorry, I stand corrected on the uh, the Bam Bam Bigelow taz match. It was not the same match, but it was still a very good match.
0: Okay, cool. How how strongly are you are you pushing for this?
1: Um, not strongly, not strongly. But I just wanted to make give a balanced viewpoint on it. It was a really good show. More more to the point, where I'm someone that doesn't particularly care for ECW. It was never my thing. I never really enjoyed it. But I make a huge exception for this pay per view, and it's excellent. So if you're someone like me who doesn't remember ECW particularly fondly, um, please make an exception for this and, and go check it out. It's more 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 a recommendation than a than a plug for it.
0: I'm I'm going to find I think that there's you know when we go outside of the the WWF bubble and when we when we step back into it in a in a wee minute, um, we've already touched on it briefly with a reference to SummerSlam '91, but Can you have a great show that doesn't have a great main event? No, is that, is that possible? How good does the undercard need to be to cover for the main event? I give you Starcade 1996.
1: Okay. Okay. Do you remember, do you remember anything about that? Just let me look it up to make sure I've got my year, right? I'm sure I will when I recognize the years. Oh, oh, yes. Okay. Yes, I do.
0: Probably one of the most disappointing main events in terms of, what the hell just happened there uh, in history. It's the main event of Roddy Piper versus Hollywood Hogan. We're just getting rolling with the, with the NWO and Piper shows up and he's going to be the person to put an end to the NWO and to Hogan and all this. And he beats him, but doesn't win the title because for some reason, Piper had not signed up for a title match. They never advertised it one way or the other. You assumed it was a title match. It didn't actually happen. And then not not only did he beat him, He then just went away for a little bit and the following night on Nitro they just carried on as if nothing had really happened. Hogan actually said, Oh, we beat Piper and I was like, Well, you didn't though, and no one really called them out on it. Also, it's an awful match because it's two, you know, middle aged men that are struggling around the place at the time. But the undercard building up to it is amazing. It is absolutely amazing. You've probably Lex Luger versus the Giant, which is second from the top, is probably the next worst match on the on the show, but it's all right. And, I, you know, here's another 90s podcast I'd like you to do. I've already said I'd like you to do an Ahmed Johnson one. I'd like you to do a Luger one because I think Luger, mm-hmm. the Luger story is really interesting. I think Luger is kind of, you know, I, I think Luger gets a bit of a hard time, folks. And I think it's because his, his time in WWF was a bit, you know, shoddy. But I like Luger. I like Luger. WCW Agreed. run from 96 onwards. I like Luger. Um, yep. And there's the rest of this, I'll go through this one really quickly from matches one to six. All, they called him the Ultimate Dragon unsuccessfully in WCW, but Ultimo Dragon versus Dean Malenko, Akira Hokuto versus uh, Medusa, Liger versus Rey Mysterio Jr., Jeff Jarrett versus Benoit, and a, a particular little favorite of mine, The Outsiders versus The Faces of Fear. For about three months, The Faces of Fear were shit hot. They looked yep. like proper badass baby faces that could hurt you. And for whatever reason, they just went away from them. The, the face of the fear are that one of the tag teams that could have been that were never. Uh, it's Meng, Splash Haku and the Barbarian, if you're wondering. Um, and then Eddie Guerrero versus DDP, um, which was for the US title. It's just an absolutely stunningly good undercard. It's great match after great match. Ultimo, Dragon and milenko, Liger versus Rey Mysterio. You'd never seen matches like that in 1994. It just hadn't happened. You know the Mexican, Japanese, and North American styles all meshing on this show, and then you had stuff like the Outsiders and the and the Faces. It's a really, really, really fantastic show until the last half an hour, which is awful.
1: Uh, yeah, mate, I'm I'm with you. I had it on my list as well. And and in answer to your initial question, can you have a great pay view without a great main event? Yes, you absolutely can. If the rest can make up for it, I think you you really really can. Um, and I th- I'd i suggest this one, there's probably two or three from WCW. WCW was never that strong on pay-per-view, ever. But I would say this, this one, along with two others, deserves some consideration, to be honest. Um, cool. So can I, well, my yes. other two, so first, first far of all, away. Fun, funnily enough, the, the other one um, has exactly the same main event, main event, but in a steel cage. It's Halloween Havoc 97. Okay um piper against hogan in the main event in a cage just to run through the rest of the card again just so you can see what i'm coming where i'm going here um using a against ultimo dragon by this point dropped the ultimate uh chris jericho against gado um ray mysterio jr in against eddie guerrero in that title versus mask match you remember that one phenomenal match tiger ver- title yeah. sorry t- title versus mask for the cruiserweight title um there's a couple of ropey ones here. we got Alex Wright against Steve Michael and Jacqueline against Disco Inferno, but then it gets right up into Kurt Henning versus Ric Flair for the US title. Lex Luger against Scott Hall um, uh, with Larry Zbysko, special referee, and then a Las Vegas sudden death match. <sighs> okay. Um, Randy Savage against Diamond Dallas Page. Just that shows how deep, how deep that roster was in terms of name, value
0: and talent, doesn't it? Absolutely. Just, just,
1: for the, just for those that don't remember, a, a Las Vegas sudden death match was a last man standing match. And if you go there. back to 97, yeah, you go back to 97 and remember that feud between Page and Savage. It was what made Dallas Page. Yeah. It, was, it was, was what, you know, he obviously started on that road with his tanglings with the NWO, but he went off on a tangent with Savage for a bit, who was NWO. And that made him. And when he'd finished that feud, he was ready to be the yeah, top of in the WCW. You need a gateway. You need
0: something to, to get you onto that level. Someone even to get you onto that level. Uh, and, you know, Paige was just someone that the fans just took to. They were, he was doing ordinary, silly mid-card shit but the, as a heel. And the fans were cheering him in 95, yep. 96. And as you say, stuff with the NWO started to make him a bit more credible. But you've got to make that step up. And, yeah, I agree. I think it was the savage stuff that, that, that did it. Um, that's a good choice. It's not, it's not one I had on my list. And I think yeah. it's because in the back of my mind... WCW didn't do necessarily great pay-per-views, no. certainly satisfying main events later on in their life. What I have got is I've got two from the early nineties, the pre, cool. uh, the pre Nitro era, the pre Bischoff era, um, because they're just so stacked full of of of, uh, of great matches. Um, I've got Wrestle War nineteen ninety, um, the one the matches that stand out to me. There's that's the, the main event is Flair and Luger in what is probably Luger's best match ever we um, said about Sid's best match ever earlier this is probably Luger's um, yes. it's got uh, the Rock and Roll Express and the Midnight Express wrestled probably 17,000 times you know, in that sort of era but this is one of their better ones on a more branded mainstream pay-per-view, it's an outstanding example of what they were about um, and it's just WCW had a really, really good stock in trade of solid tag matches around that era, they took the tags really seriously um, and Brian Pillman and, and Tom Zank versus The Freebirds is on that show and it's just a really underrated Um, tag match. Um, I don't think it's necessarily I'm not pushing it for an all-time list. Um, It's probably going to be in the final five here, but I I wanted to flag it up as a really good um, pay-per-view. And I also wanted to flag it up in terms of the next two Wrestle Wars, 91 and 92, are really highly regarded. I just personally don't like War Games matches. No, Um, no, you said that Of the War Games matches, those are probably two of the better ones, and they're also good undercards as well. I can't offer it up because I can't get behind war games. I've never liked war games, um, but I would understand why anyone would suggest Wrestle Wars '91 and '92, and just one other one finally from me. And again, it's not necessarily got a an absolutely all-out standout classic, but the, just the consistent level of great action. Super Brawl '1992, um, with some just some just just some of the matches I've pulled out: Austin and Zabisco versus Rhodes and Wyndham. Um, Arn and Bobby Eaton versus the Steiners, Pillman versus Liger, Sting versus Luger, Rick Rude versus Rick Steamboat. Just quality (laughs) after quality after quality. And it's just, it's mouthwatering stuff. This, if we were doing a show that was no context, no background, no worries about what's going on around it, no historical significance, you just want to watch great wrestling for three hours, you're going to struggle to beat this one. It's absolutely jam packed. It's in that lovely little era. I, I mentioned this on the podcast three or four weeks ago, but the um, the Dangerous Alliance was something that could have been so massive, and it didn't really end up panning out. But this is Dangerous Alliance time, and with some yeah. other you know great stuff in there. And Pillman, if all you know, folks, is the loose cannon and the, his final years in in WWF in '96 before his you know his tragic death, um, that's not Brian Pillman. Flying Brian of the early nineties is just a dream to watch, and it's this is right in there. And they gave him Liger here, and of course people know Pillman Liger later on, but this is prime them. And then you tuck in some badasses like Arn, Bobby Eaton, and, and the Steiners. Just you've got so much going on in this pay per view. It's it's, it's it's a joy, stunningly
1: good. Yeah, and I I, I had this one on my list too. I can't argue that at all. If we if we were to say, if we were to go with the older. Uh, Tokenism and say we had to have a WCW one on this one. On this one, this may well get my my vote. Great show. And as a sidebar, I absolutely love the name Super Brawl for a pay per view. I don't know why. I just re- it's so WCW in a good way. I just think it's great. Really, really well, like it. I think you know obviously that's from 1992. I wouldn't have been watching
0: WCW in that sort of era, but I would have been familiar with them later on in the 90s, mid 90s. And would have heard of it, would have read it in wrestling magazines and whatever. And I think about a year ago, I went, I think that's a pun on Super Bowl. It took me <laughs> 20 years or more. And I went, Brilliant. I think that's the pun. And I think the rest of the world are going, well, yeah, we got that a long time ago, Rob. And I just went, oh, I've only just realized what that's meant to be a pun on. I thought it was just, a, it might have been called Mega Fight. Do you know what I mean? It was just a, a, a <laughs> word meaning good or great, and a word meaning you know brawl, melee. Oh, so it could have been you know, it could have been called you know fantastic Fisticuffs. cuffs. Uh, I didn't. It didn't occur to me that super
1: cool. brawl is super bowl. The first pay per view that we promote, by the way, is fantastic Fisticuffs. Fantastic.
0: That is fisticuffs. what we that is what we are
1: calling it. Um, Two thousand and twenty three. The, the only other one I want to put forward from WCW is is, is a bit of an odd one in terms of timing because by this point WCW had. Almost completely gone to shit, but um, Spring Stampede 1999.
0: Yeah, that was mentioned uh, earlier. I mentioned it. I just, I, I thought we would probably come back to that. Who was it mentioned? It will Kitchen. Uh, he's in a variety very, of brilliant matches, exciting finishes, no stupidity, a revved up crowd, and a new world champ that wasn't one of the usual suspects.
1: And he's absolutely on the money. I, could, I don't think I could say it better. Just to give a few highlights, though, it's that it's that old variety that I really like. You know, you start start off with. I Remember this because I only watched it about a year ago. But um, Human against Blitzkrieg, great single, a uh, great uh, cruiseweight match. Then you've got Blitzkrieg, uh,
0: okay. then you've
1: got Heart oh, yeah, Blitzkrieg, there's a name from the past. Bam Bam Bigelow against Hack, it's a hardcore match, is what it is. Um, a couple of def- couple of debate, of uh, uh, skip ones, but then you've got Rey Mysterio against Kidman in 1999, what a match that is! You've got one of my favourite tag team matches of all time because these these two teams just gelled so well. Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko against Raven and Perry Saturn. Imagine that in 1999. That was such a cool match. Then you've got a very underrated Goldberg versus Kevin Nash match. You've got Steiner against Booker T in a match that is way better than it deserves to be. And then a really fun. Another match that probably is more fun than it deserves to be, is where Diamond Dallas Page won his first world title in a four-way mm-hmm. match with Ric Flair, Hollywood Hogan and Sting. Super fun. Um Savage in there as a special guest referee as well. I would I would argue for this for this one being in the in the final reckoning. I want to fight I mean I hadn't written it down, but again
0: I would I, I would associate that more with being my lack of knowledge about WCW. And is anything else just being a bit casual in terms of, um, in my mind thinking, oh, there's not too many great WCW pay-per-views, but you make a good case. Um, the lineup, John, you know is really interesting if you think about those four that you just said, Benoit and Malenko, and Raven and Perry mm. Satin, um, all four of them. And this is spring, what's well, called Spring Stampede, so it's spring '99. So when, when are we sure right, we're yeah. talking, presumably March, April? It was in April, April 11th. Yeah. So when when did the radicals? As they, were named, they they moved. They moved up.
1: over January two
0: thousand. January two thousand, well, and then Jericho and Jericho was. Well, it's about now, isn't it? The anniversary of Jericho's appearance was, was about now.
1: It was 20, 21 years ago yesterday. So it's August yeah, on, on, ninety-nine. Monday. So, in
0: terms of uh, the timeline, you know, we know at this point in spring nineteen ninety-nine, all four of the people we just mentioned won out. They're not happy about their. Yeah. Even if they don't want out, they're not happy about their position. You can imagine, it's like, do you know when towards the end of a season they start talking about footballers wanting to play to get in the shop window? You know, they're agitating for a bit of a move, and if they play yeah. really well they think people might go, oh, I'll have a little look at them. You feel that that match was as much for the WCW fans as it was for Vince McMahon. <laughs> do you know yeah. not that Vince was probably watching WCW pay-per-views in 1999, but that might have been a kind of, right, we'll show everybody that they might have the usual suspects, well, DDP might not be the usual suspects, but... um you know, there's the same old crowd on top, but we'll, we, we will prove, you know, what we're about further down the card. Uh, and that is, that's just one of those ones It's stacked, isn't it? The further down you go, you, I mean, no one has ever, to my knowledge, ever said that their favourite match of all time was Hoovy versus Blitzkrieg. But it's not no. there to be your favourite match of all time. It's there to be the fifth or sixth best match on a really good pay-per-view. Um, and that might well be what it, what it was. Um, I'm not going to fight you on it. Um, I, I can't say I'm familiar with the pay-per-view. Um, off the top of my head but it sounds fantastic Uh, and if you're feeling that strongly on it then I I think we we deserve to have a a chat about it when it comes to uh, the final reckoning Alrighty then, sounds good to me Uh, Let's stay in that sort of era then Um, we're talking in 1996-97 is when we started to see the the pay-per-view landscape change so not only did WCW start to do more pay-per-views WWE brought in in your house, uh, and then we started to see the transition from the in your house brands to thing like things like No Mercy and Backlash and Judgment Day. I think we're talking ninety nine, even maybe two thousand, when some of those names started to happen. But the concept of the the in between e pay per view was really something that happened around uh ninety six, yeah. and then broadened out through into 98, 99. So of that era, taking out WrestleManias and Summer Slams and so forth. Are there any sort of in-between, what I call in-between pay-per-views? Not the in-your-house ones necessarily, but any of those in-between ones from a little bit later on that you would, uh, you would pick up on?
1: Um, there's one that springs to mind straight away. Um, fully loaded 1999. Okay, let's hear it. Okay, so um, it's I don't know where to start on this one. Really, fully loaded ninety nine. You got Stone Cold Steve Austin against the Undertaker in the first blood what? blood match for the title. Oh, the
0: first blood match. Um, yeah,
1: okay. The first blood match. It was a strong, strong match. That semi main event is uh, Triple H against The Rock in a strap match to determine who's going to win, who's going to get the uh, number one contendership for SummerSlam. Um, you got Shamrock against Steve Blackman. You got Big Show against Kane. You got Bossman against Hard Snow Al Snow for the hardcore title um jarrett against edge for the intercontinental title and you got this one was a cracker acolytes rules match the acolytes against the hardy boys and michael hayes for the tag team titles it was just it was just an exciting paper it was very much of its time very disposable uh in a in a in a word but very satisfying um and i remember it being just so much fun watching it in 1999 i enjoyed it immensely
0: okay again it's another one that doesn't jump out at me that i remember particularly which is which is all, all automatically a knock against it um but There's one more okay canadian stampede wow that is without a shadow of a doubt on uh, on my list um yeah my favorite thing about the canadian stampede in terms of talking about it is if you were to say we've got a pay-per-view and three quarters of the matches. Well, I think that's what I think there are only, only four matches. But so you have three matches are Triple H and Mankind, Takamichinoku versus the Great Sasuke, and Undertaker versus Vader. And it's like Yep. Yeah. That's a they're pretty strong, aren't they? Oh yeah. Talk about a, a variety of stuff. They are three very different matches. The Triple H Mankind feud is, is exceptional in that era. Um yeah. building up both men. Um Sasuke Takamichinoku is the equivalent of a of a ray mysterio jushin liger not as good but it's the equivalent in terms of breaking though that sort of moves that sort of match yes. and those sort yeah, of yeah. moves through to a wwf audience they were behind but it's still important uh, to that audience about them breaking through and then obviously take a vader your traditional big guys and whatever doing their thing but they, they they always seem to work well together um and then of course you've got all of the uh the shenanigans about the the Hart family match, the USA V Canada. This this is goes back to the SummerSlam thing. You have to factor in the the crowd. You have to factor in where it was. You have to factor in everything that went with it. The presentation of the show is all key to this because this 10 man 10 man tag would not have worked third from the top in the keel center. (laughs) You know what I mean? It it had to be in Calgary as the main event with the stampede on with the Hart family, this is almost flawless this pay-per-view the only knock against it would be possibly um that it's a that it's a 2 hour show and you are you'll you'll bring it up against 3 hour 4 hour shows so it doesn't have the time to get bad it doesn't have the time to have the equivalent of the crush repo man match yeah. um so i don't know whether that's its benefit because it's almost all great or whether it's to its negative because it doesn't stop there on the others but it's it's a
1: lovely lovely show it's a lovely show it's to its benefit unquestionably you can't you can't be judging something on the time that it maybe could have or should have had it was a two-hour show how was it It as a two-hour show it was exceptional that's the end of it
0: it is i mean it's wonderful i mean we we all (laughs) We probably could end up just skirting over this and moving on. It's so—it's almost so good, but we ought to give it a bit more due deference. And the, the main event in itself, I think, it's one of those ones. That if you go back and watch it, it's probably not a, an absolutely wonderful match. It's good, but yeah. it's all—it's all atmosphere. It's all story. It's all feelings for the wrestlers. And if you weren't around at the time, you know, and we speak as, as Englishmen here. You know, perhaps it felt even different if you were an American or a Canadian. But we didn't yeah, have an sure. Englishman in the fight because we had we had Davy Boy and. um you know, the way that whole thing felt was in America, they build it as billet as Canada versus USA. It was kind of USA versus the rest of the world, because I sort of feel like wherever you were in the world, like I'd be if you were in Germany, for example, I would have thought you still, you supported Bret Hart. You supported the, the bulldog. Definitely. You know, Brett Bret had a huge following in Europe um you know and in south africa and in australia and in india and it's like brett was a real worldwide star he might be the perhaps the biggest ever worldwide star that they had with with probably the exception of uh, you know of hogan but you know i would say brett was probably a bigger worldwide star than austin except that austin was an enormously bigger american star and was in the biggest era of the company i'm not saying brett deserves to be above austin he doesn't but you know brett's was loved so beloved in, in you know, across the world that felt like my fight as well. You know, felt like a British fight as well as it did a a Canadian one. But if you went around at the time, if you're too young to have been watching it, you probably would go back and go, not quite sure what all the fuss is about because there's you know Triple H, mankind is pretty good, and Sasuke Takas you know inventive, but I've seen all that before. And Take Vaders are you know two big guys, but it's not that exciting. And this ten man tag, well, it's just a tag match. I could understand going watch what, going back to watch that in isolation and not being blown away. But in terms of what it achieved at the time, and I do think it stacks up still. um, I think it's wonderful. I think it's a shoe in for our list. And I think, but I can understand why someone might go massively overrated.
1: I can't. And I would say it's going to be on the list for sure when we, uh, when we ramp things up. That's me for the, for the minor league pay views. by the way, that's, that's me. I've, I've got no more to offer.
0: No, neither have I. Um, there'll be some decent ones and so forth. But we had a little bit of a chat about this, I think, on the podcast a few weeks ago, but it's worth bringing back up in this context, is that 96 changes things because of the NWO and the WWE start to change their, um, their, their planning, the way that they work. Then 1997 tears up the books because of Attitude and because of USA, Canada, DX, you know, etc. And then into the monday night wars but it was very much the thing that although we had more pay-per-views they were a bit of a means to an end if we were talking about the best things that happened in the late 90s almost all oh. of them would happen on raw or nitro
1: no doubt about it and i think it just goes to you know fun enough we you know, it's probably a good time to mention it because you and i had a conversation the other day about the 90s uh in general and this and wrestling is really representative and really, really echoes what the 90s were, much more so than it does you know, nowadays echoing society. It really captured the zeitgeist. And you know me, mate, I'm as big a, res- a, big a 90s fan in- as you'll find. And that goes in terms of wrestling and football and music and films and fashion and women and pretty much everything you can possibly think of. The 90s was my decade. And, and you asked me the other day um to define what the 90s were and i struggled i really struggled and i think what the night what the 90s was in actual fact having gone away and thought about it the 90s was about disposable pop culture and that was it was when it was when pop culture and when um consumption became much more disposable and i would i would describe the 90s and, and this goes for wrestling as it goes for movies then Wrestling in the 90s was McDonald's. Okay. Or Burger King or KSC or whatever other fast food analogy you want. It tasted fantastic going down. There was it was it was great. It was massively enjoyable. You could eat it all day, every day. But there was very little substance and there was very little that was good for you in there <laughs> in terms of 90s wrestling. It was it was there was it was it was, it was junk food wrestling. And the thing about junk food is, it does not make necessarily a really strong, sensible meal. And what is a pay per view other than a main course, a banquet? It's what you know. It should be the solid foundations. It should be the most satisfying part of the um, of being a wrestling fan. And unfortunately, nineties wrestling didn't lend itself to that. It lent itself to that disposable consumption. And I think nineties wrestling and certainly pay per views. Sort of suffered because of that, because and like you said that you know you struggle to look at this and go, where's the standout show it's because there's there's such a such a dearth of 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 memorable i I'm assuming I'm my words here now, but there's there's such a dearth of um substance in everything that happened in the nineties there's moments and there's stuff that was fantastic, and you still remember now, just like you can remember your first big Mac. I certainly can anyway. But in terms of actual quality, it's hard mm. to, to to say it's as good as some of the stuff we got in the year 2000 and beyond. Does that make sense? It, it, it
0: totally does. I think if we'd have done this topic of what's the best pay-per-view between January the 1st, 1990, and December the 31st, 2009, mm. I don't think – I'm not sure any of the 90s ones would have got on the list. I think we'd we'd be able to rattle out two thousands pay per views, you know, half of them in the year two thousand. But you know, but we'd have easily been able to come up with four or five WrestleManias that would be in the chat and things like some. What was the Great Summer Slam? Was it sometime two thousand two? Yeah, You'd be able to knock out, you know, and you'd talk about One Night Stand, and there's a, there's so many, you know, great pay per views that you just roll out in the in the two thousands. But then you'd right. argue that, you know, how strong was Raw in, you know, in, in that decade and, you know, how strong was SmackDown. And you know, the focus was a little bit different in the 1990s. So, and so was, you know, everyone's attitudes towards things. You're right about the snackable culture. Um, I think in terms of the development of wrestling, and I'll say WWF specifically because WCW changed at different rates and, and wanted to. But if you look at, if you go back and look at, say, I think there's three distinct eras in terms of how they feel. Um, and I think if you look at, say, the pay-per-views, the, the start of pay-per-view, you know, outside of WrestleMania. So when you start getting, you know, SummerSlam, Royal Rumble, etc., cetera, 1988, you know, mm. that sort of era. We get the, 90, the 1988 shows and the 2000, sorry, the 1992 shows. So that, that's like four or five years between 88 and 92. Don't yeah. look massively different. You know the 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 logos are a bit blocky and a bit similar. The back the backstage, if you you've got the the set, yep. you know the lock, the locker room set with the phone. You've got the the uh, the, the on screen promos, the way the type the types of entrance music, the baby similar faces, with the, the shiny the shiny gear. The commentators don't change much. It feels very similar. I think you've got a transition of ninety three to ninety six, which actually is what you feel is when you start talking about nineties stuff. I think the 90s, in your brain, you think 93 to 96 as being in the 90s. Mm.
1: Um,
0: and then from 97 onwards, it's a massive change again. WWF in 1990 does, look, does not look anything like it does in 1999. But I actually think what you see today, 21 years later, is not massively different from 1999 in terms of the, the presentation. I don't mean quality. I mean, the presentation no. and how things are done, how you could start off with a promo and how someone can be interrupted and then you go to a break and you come back and they're having a match, or how you build into pay-per-views, or, you know, there's the structure of the show. It's not exactly the same, but I think it's. I don't think it's changed much over the last 10 years. I think it I didn't think change much that. in the 10 years before that. But between no, 88 and then 92, and then 92 and 99, it changes massively. It's, it's extraordinary. And then you go back another five or six years before that, and you think of the original WrestleManias, again, that's totally different. So between like 84 and 99, it's like about four or five different eras. But between
1: 99 and now, it's not massively different. Yeah. No, I think I mean, you're absolutely on the money there, mate. And I just think that's why we're struggling to get too excited about too many of these, because there was so much that was fun, but there's not a lot that was classic, if that makes sense. <laughs> Which is why, and I sound like a shill now,
0: but this is why the '90s podcast, the How Mania podcast, is going to be such fun because we can get into some serious debates, if necessary, about why things didn't work and about the people that like I said, like your Ahmed Johnsons or your Lex Luger's. But you can also have a look at WrestleMania Nine and smile, or you can oh, look absolutely. at certain, you know, the the, the, evolu- the evolution of of In Your House or the start of the Monday Night War, or you know the. Uh, yep. The, the the characters the you know the um the job characters like tl hopper and duke drossi and, and whatever and it's like there's so much depth there's so much to talk about and there's so much to have fun with I, i'm looking forward to, to listening to that podcast with, with you guys when i'm not on and and having some fun with it because i feel like it's going to be really easy to listen to easy to understand um podcasts because it's it's such a fun era to discuss it's really easy it's it's more fun to discuss not crap stuff but you know more light-hearted and not so serious stuff, I think. Sometimes, yes. so uh, looking forward story. to that. Right. Um, I think we've covered pretty much everything, bar a few Summer Slams that we've left off so far, and WrestleManias. Okay, um, so let's so go so Summer Slam, st- shall we? Let's go Summer Slam. It's where we started. So we've kind of talked about '91 and '92. I'm not sure we discuss anything further on, but I think there's three or four that could could come into the discussion. We talked about the can you have a great show without having a great main event. How do you feel about SummerSlam 1995?
1: I feel like I wouldn't even
0: give it a second thought. Well, what I would say is I think it's probably not going to get into the, uh, into the chat for the five. It's probably not in the greatest um, in terms of the pay-per-views, but it might be one of the most underrated. Because what, is auto- what do you automatically do is go to Diesel versus King Mabel, which is not very good. There's, there's no trying to dress that up. It's not very Correct. good. But if you go through the rest of the card, it is one of those cards where you've got either satisfying stories that aren't necessarily great um, action, or you've got some really good matches. Now, I'm going to take away Undertaker versus Karma, which I don't rate. And I'm going to take away the Smoking Guns versus the Blue Brothers, which I don't even remember. But um, the Bret Hart versus Isaac Yankum match is not as bad as people think. It's not great, and and it is an unsatisfying finish, but it's all right. For 15 minutes of action, it's all right. It's not a classic Bret match, but an average Bret match is better than a good match for most other people. I think Shawn Michaels versus Razor Ramon with the ladder match might be as good, if not better, than the WrestleMania 10 one. It will never be considered so because it's not first. But it's an absolute beauty. And considering they had to follow up what they'd done the year before, it's a stunningly good match. And because both guys are babyfaces at this point, you really don't really know what way it's going to go. It sounds daft, but even Bertha Fay versus Alundra Blaze is not awful. It's it's short, but it it fills a point. Barry Horowitz versus Skip is an interesting story. It's not a good wrestling match, but the story was fun. And then the opening two matches, Hakushi versus the 1-2-3 Kid is brilliant for 10 minutes. And Triple H versus Bob Holly is pretty good. I don't think it's a top five on this list, but it's certainly an era because of the main event, it's dismissed. But the rest of the card, it's all right, you know. It's worth a watch,
1: this, this pay-per-view. It's all right. It is all right at best. You've got a great ladder match. You've got a really fun opener. And the, re- the best praise you could give to anything beyond that, mate, in your own words, was it's okay. It's and it's just but, it is, it's it, is, just but it is okay. But the reason I wanted to bring it up is because it is
0: it's the kind of but show that gets it gets considered a bad show, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not. And it's like again, if you were to if you were to say something such as uh WrestleMania 8, right? We're gonna come on to Maine's in a minute. But WrestleMania Eight is one of those shows that people talk about being good because of a certain couple of matches, which we'll go on to. I agree that there's a couple of matches on that show that are better than anything on this one, or at least on a par with um, some of the better ones on this match. But some of the bits in between, there's more satisfying stuff in this show, in terms of storyline and in terms of how it develops and in terms of how it all brings together, plus two or three excellent matches. I think, this is, I think, it's, I think it's, more, it's more worthy of discussion than, than, it, than people think it ought to be. That's why I brought it up.
1: Fine fine <laughs> um so non-plussed my, yeah my um, I, I don't i i don't know what to say i, I can't i can't poo poo you right it's not fair but um I, I just can't i can't get any enthusiasm for for that it's n- in my opinion it's not a good show it's it's got a great match it's got a great match on it but the rest is so disposable and um, it, and there's a lot it, of waste there's so many so many wasted workers on there as well i don't agree that Breton, these, and an Isaac Yankum's any good. It's okay. There's no real <laughs> good story behind it. There's no good story behind any of it. No, there's even a good, you know there you, you could even argue thing. you could even argue that the uh, and let me finish before you jump in because you probably will, is Shawn Michaels against Razor I mean, there's not really a good story behind that. They wanted to put them together to have another ladder match to pop a buy rate. So they convoluted a story that it's you know two baby faces now who want to go again and see who's the best. That's not a story. It's an excuse. Um, and it's, and it was just, no, mate, I don't want to dwell on it too much because there's no point dwelling on crap. But, no, well, it's not, no this, is, this is exactly my point. It isn't crap. It's all right. It's bang average.
0: I would say, because I, I mentioned WrestleMania Eight because that is an interesting polarizing one, and it's probably where we can go next after the Summer Slams. But, for example, you just said, but there's no story building into Sean and Razor. You're absolutely right. There's no story building into Sean and Razor, but there's no story building into Brett and Piper, you know, other than Brett was what? the champ. There's not a story. No, there isn't. Brett, Brett was the champ. He's, he's ill, and Piper wins when he's ill. But the actual build up of WrestleMania is there's not a long developing, they don't no. hate each other. There's not a massive rivalry. They're just Wrong. people that are going to wrestle for the title. And it's a it's no. okay, but that's fine. And it's a good match. But that's not a
1: necessarily a better story. But,
0: the, but there is, but there is than, a, than Sean and
1: Razor is. There is a story, and it fueled the match. The story that one, in that one in particular, was Bret Hart lost to the Mountie because only because he was ill with flu. Piper beat the Mountie for the title in, in his stead. Bret Hart's getting his fair and just rematch. Piper's defending the only title he's ever held in WWE, so he holds it incredibly dearly, and he's willing to sacrifice the family friendship that he's held for decades to do it, whereas Bret Hart is the assassin, he's the cool folk type, tit- he's a baby face, but he's focused on the title and his friendship is put to the wayside to win this match. And then obviously there's a story within the match, which is something different. So no, but you've uh, again, done that you've done that though.
0: You've just no, intro- you've brought up all that yes you have. You've done all that story yourself because you're intelligent and you understand how things work. That wasn't built up. It's not a. It wasn't a story. It was all, all of the focus of that pay per view. Rightly is on is on Flair and Savage and on Hogan and um. Mate, that was just justice. It's it's that was it's all what, there. It was part of the story, but it's not. It's not an intense. It's not got lots of twists and turns and builds and there's not things building up to that over a long period of time. It's just two people no. in positions. And I'm not knocking it, by the way. It's fine. But I, what I'm saying is, it gets put up as being. A really good match on a really good show, and it is a good match on a good show. But I'm saying that there's nothing different about Sean and Razor, for example, it's for the same title, it's still two baby faces. You know, it's there's just as much behind it. They had a they had a ladder match the year before, they're now both baby faces, how do they coexist? Razor does, you know, dismiss him as being I'm not gonna be friends with you, you know, I've never met you before when we go out and have this match. And then it's an absolute doozy, it's a better match than Bretton um than and Piper. And, and you know, it's I just again I'm not i I'm not knocking Bretton Piper. It's good, it's good action, good build, perfectly acceptable. I'm just saying that this particular match is it, it I think is as good if not better. In fact, no, it is It's a better wrestling match.
1: Fine. Okay. Um, we'll agree to disagree, but not by much. Um, and let's let's move. Is there any more SummerSlams? Uh, I think it's worth throwing in there.
0: SummerSlam's 97 and 98 for discussion. Yeah. Um, again, I, I'm, I'm not passionate about either of them. I think SummerSlam 97 for context against this 95... I don't think SummerSlam 97 is necessarily all that much better than 95 for, for action. But what it has got is a great main event. Yeah. And a satisfying main event... Not satisfying if you're a Shawn Michaels or Undertaker fan, but a satisfying main event in terms of a story that went somewhere and had a, and had a finish and led to other things. It's an all right match. It's not an absolute stunner. It's but it's pretty good because you've got Brett and Taker, and you know, and and the Michaels thing in it. It's a really good storyline match. Very similar incredible to the, story in, ter- in terms of very similar to the Sid and Sean stuff that you talked about before. This is a yeah. little in- increment better, but it's not miles better. It's not in the top twenty Bret Hart matches. It's probably not in the top twenty Undertaker matches for that. But the story of it is terrific, and it and it holds everything together. But I'm not not crazy about the rest of the show. And I think that's the thing, is that I think match for match, pound for pound, I think you'd get more enjoyment watching SummerSlam 95 than you would SummerSlam 97. But you flip the main events because the SummerSlam 95 main event is ghastly and the SummerSlam 97 main event is beautiful.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm not sure I could go with you on that at all, mate, to be honest, because you've got, you know, just, just looking at SummerSlam 97, you, do you remember? Do you forget the cage match? No, the cage, oh, match, is a, the one cage match is Triple good. H. The cage match really is good. The cage match is good. Yeah. It's really good. You've got Stone Cold against Owen Hart. Obviously, yeah, but that's, you know, the end. The end of that match was what it was, but it was a really good match until that point. I, I, really no, good. It was okay, but again, the but the, the end of a match
0: is almost everything of a match, you know. And and it's like it's just oh it's so hard to watch. So hard to watch now, yeah.
1: Um, and then you know, there's not to be honest, there's only a seven match cards, there's not a lot well, no, more uh, to it, really. No, and um, well, well,
0: we'll go on then because mention the fact that the other four matches aren't very good.
1: No, they're not. But well, gold against Brian Pillman's okay, but the rest are um, pretty passable, forgettable, whatever you want to call it. But the gold dust gold, gold, and, and, and Pillman is just, is just silly, shit. and LOD, the key, LOD
0: who have passed it against the, the Godwins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The complete. Bulldog and Shamrock n- didn't gel whatsoever. And then Barique was and the DOA, no one ever cared about them. This is, this is, this is my well, point, is that it's a great main event. It's a se- it's a second from the top match that didn't
1: finish properly. And it's a pretty good opener. You've you've but hit the nail it. on the head where you say, when you say that nobody cared about the Bariquas and uh, the Disciples of Apocalypse, you're absolutely right. But by saying that, you've highlighted why this match, why this card is so much better than 95, because people cared about pretty much everyone on the card. And by this point, WWE had built up their characters to the point where you did care about people top and bottom of the card. And I just looked at 95 and that's just not the case.
0: I just, I think, I think, I mean, I may have the benefit of I've watched it quite recently, but I just, just remember watching it recently thinking, bloody hell, this is so much better than I remember. If nothing else, everybody, if you don't know the show that I'm talking about, if nothing else, go and watch Hakushi versus the 123 Kid. It is stupidly good.
1: Well, what I will is do is I will ridiculously
0: good for t- for a ten minute
1: let I will go and watch it this week before our next podcast. I'll watch it and we'll have a chat. And um, I will, as you know me, if I think I'm wrong, I'll tell you I'm wrong. But I'll. Uh, no, I'll go with, I've watched it for, for fifteen years, probably more. And I feel like I'll I'm go and, pushing. I'll go and have I feel like
0: I'm, I feel like it sounds like I'm pushing it to sound as if I've got some sort of vendetta against everything else, and I no, want no. to push it. I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be suggesting it for the final five. It's nowhere near it. It's just I've just so constantly seen it dismissed as a bad show, and I just don't think it is.
1: I see where you. I see where you're coming from. So
0: uh, well, I think people automatically remember something like '97 because the, again, it brings it back to my point. Maybe I'm wrong in my concept because maybe the point is it's all about the main event, and if the main event's not good enough, maybe then it brings everything else down. But I absolutely would say that from minute one to minute, you know, 150 or whatever. SummerSlam 95 is better than 97, but the main event is, is ridiculously in contrast. Fair enough. So
1: 98, where do you stand on that one?
0: Uh, I'm just going to bring it up in front of me just so I uh, have all the details in uh, to hand. Um, this feels like an era where things were really, really clicking. And it's, this is, it's hard to judge this because of the fact that, again, the whole point of wrestling is that people are over in their roles, isn't it? And, and that people care yeah. about them and, and buy things. And this is one of those shows where you go through absolutely every name that's on there and you know, their character, you know, their story, you know, their motivation, you know, whatever, they have a baby face or a heel, you know, what the fans think of them, um, you know, and I'm not going to just absolutely rip through it apart, you know, the oddities versus Kai and Tai is, you know, redi- forget that ridiculous. Yeah. But uh, other than that, you've got a whole bunch of good work. I didn't write like the Lions Den match, not my thing, but they were building Shamrock. Um or well they wanted to you know have shamrock in that sort of role, and then after that you start going well you know it's a, it's a good austin taker match um it's satisfying because it kind of blows that off for the time being you know triple h and the rock in the ladder match it's they're they're bubbling under at this point aren't they they're they're just waiting to break into that yeah. next level and and that's uh, li- literally the rock does the next night you can you can watch triple h's career by summer slams. You know, you can look yes. at Trip. Hunter Hurst so true. Hunter Hearst Helmsley versus Bob Holly in 1995, and then you get to nine. Is he? In, he is on 96, isn't he? Have I got that wrong? Maybe he's not on 96. Uh, I don't. I had, know. I had in my, had in my mind. He got, no, he's not actually. I had in my mind that he'd got into that. Um, uh that that run he had with Gold Dust, but that 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 happens a little bit later in the year. So I don't think I don't think he's on that show. Um, But certainly from '95 you got the the um, the Hunter Hearst Helmsley, and then in '97 you start to see the stuff with Mankind. '98, you get the bit with the Rock. You know, you're just carrying on, and then in '99 he's in he's the he's in the he's in the title match for the first time, I believe. I think that's his first title encounter. Might be wrong. And then by the following year, SummerSlam 2000, it's all about him. You know, it's the McMahon Helmsley era, and so it's it's a fascinating you know timeline of his and so you have to factor him him and the rock at uh, a at 98 and um, because it's a stunningly good ladder match it's a good main event um and the rest of it is you know it's i just i don't look at any of the rest of the matches and go here's a good match here's a good match here's a good match delo brown versus val venus x park versus double j edge and sable versus jackie and mark Merrow, ken shamrock versus owen hart new age outlaws versus mankind I don't think any of those matches are better than two and a half star, three map, three stars. But that's kind of not the point of 1998. To understand 1998, you have to get the fact that everybody on the card had a role. Everybody on the card seemed to be over, and the top two matches deliver. You know, I personally I... wouldn't throw this in, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't fight you if you wanted to. Wanted to. I can understand a good case for this.
1: Well I don't and it's odd because I look at this and the period and everything that was going on and I feel like this should be a good pay-per-view but I've always been pretty cold on it like it's never really grabbed my attention even when I watched it for the first time I always felt it was a bit of a missed opportunity it felt like it almost existed I remember watching this at the time and it felt like it almost existed in a vacuum and I can't really put my finger on why but it just didn't quite feel as good as it was built up to be and then it the, the wf carried on being afterwards it just felt like a really odd misstep of a night maybe it's me but it never never inspired any interest in me at all
0: no like I, said, I wouldn't i wouldn't throw it up there as being a, a great but in in terms of its um i wouldn't put this a million miles away from the deadly game survivor series in terms of being it achieves everything it's supposed to achieve you know it's well worked it's well put together it's relatively straightforward. It's relatively logical, and the main events, the two main events, deliver. I think it's a, a very acceptable. I would imagine, on the Monday after that Sunday night, everyone was high fiving, going, "Did a good job there," but maybe historically, it doesn't. Yeah. You know, twenty-two years later, make you go, "God, I want to go back and watch SummerSlam 1998 again."
1: Agreed. So let's let's look at some WrestleMania because we've already got ten on the long list. I think, um, and we. We've got we've got ten WrestleManias to look at. Um, well, to
0: finish this off. Well, we've already sort of touched on twelve, and that's obviously not going to go in because we're not high on the uh no uh, on the the uh, the Iron Man match. I think everyone realizes that thirteen is rubbish apart from Bretton Austin and that's not enough to carry the rest of it. Agreed? Uh fully. We've we've talked about nine, that's never gonna get on the list. Um I think you've got what's the what what numbers takes us out of so it's fifteen isn't it so it's fourteen and fifteen at the end. Yeah
1: six
0: and and seven to start start. so it's six and seven six seven eight to start. Um six is remembered fondly because of the main event that a lot of people a lot of us remember as as kids or people remember as kids but it's there's nothing before Hogan Warrior. Nothing Uh, and I and I don't think there's anything on seven that promotes it to being a it's not it's actually an okay show to watch there's plenty of fun stuff there's a couple of reasonable matches there's obviously a wonderful moment in the end of savage and warrior and a wonderful match to be fair and, it, and it's a good match it's it's, it's
1: that, but that's match. it
0: but there's nothing else there's a, there's there's four or five alright things on it but there's nothing that makes yeah. you go I really want to watch that um, I, agree. I think i think that 14 15 and 8 could come under a little bracket. We could almost put them together as being: there's some satisfying things, there's some not so satisfying things. You kind of would expect more from them than than actually happened.
1: Well, I've kind, of, I've, I've in a similar vein to you. I've got three that I would. I've left one off the <laughs> <I've left one laughs> I know you me. have. I know you have. So I've got I've got a list of all ten down here that happened in the nineties, and and straight away I've crossed out six, seven, nine, eleven, twelve, thirteen. 15 so that leaves okay. me on the list that i've got with 8 10 and 14 okay well i
0: sort of went 8 14 and 15 here i'm sure for the benefit of those listening i'm showing my hand and 10 here and i'm showing my hand a little bit higher i think 10 yep. is the best wrestlemania of the decade i,
1: I do
0: and i don't think that's in question
1: um well the, the, no i agree the two the two matches that stand out stand out so much um, in terms of Brett Owen in the opener, and then obviously the ladder match between Sean and Razor. They're so high. And again, you've got the Madison Square Garden card. It's the 10th anniversary of WrestleMania. There's so much about this that screams importance. Um, and I agree with you. I think it's it's the best WrestleMania of the 90s. I, I do like eight, I think, more than you. I think it's just a smidge behind. I think, again, it's got two great matches and a huge stadium. But again, similar to seven, it's got a whole lot of okay and a whole lot that feels like you're getting through it just for the sake of getting to those matches. So I, I, I probably wouldn't wouldn't move eight forward. It's nostalgically great for me, but it's not up there. I think the big chat with 10 in in particular
0: is how much do the two great matches carry the rest of it? Because again, if we were going on to something like Summer, SummerSlam 98 that we just mentioned, there being a whole bunch of acceptable things, you know, and then you start looking at how many of those matches are better than, for example, Men on a Mission versus the Quebecers. How many of them are better yeah. than Bam Bam Bigelow and Luna vashon versus Doink and Dink? How many of them are better, the more significant than the three minute squash by Alundra Blaze of Leilani Kai? These things aren't WrestleMania; yeah. they're not WrestleMania quality things. They're just not. They're not good enough. No, but if we were doing the top ten greatest WrestleMania matches ever, not 90s, not just WrestleMania matches. You know, if we were going WrestleMania one to 36, there's been, you know, probably 500 WrestleMania matches. If we were doing the top 10, I think two of them are on the show. I completely agree. You know, I, you know, I think, Owen, I think Brett and, Brett and Owen and Razor and Sean are, are on the show. And I think in terms of, if you're going to have a champion like Yokozuna and you're going to work, you work him in and you're going to have him, Yokozuna is never, ever going to be able to wrestle a great match. He can't. But the same way, this match, I'm not saying it's as historically significant as, say, Hogan versus Andre, right? That's on a different level. Andre as a megastar is on a different level to Yokozuna. I'm not comparing directly. I'm not saying they are on a level. But Bret beating Yokozuna is not dissimilar from Hogan beating Andre in terms of its concept. Not in terms of how great they are. They're on a different level but it's that sort of thing. You can't go into a Yokozuna match hoping for it to be great, but it's passable. This is better than the year before and it's got the satisfying finish. It blows off a WrestleMania at Madison Square Garden with a celebration. It also tells the story because of what they've done earlier on in the night with Owen. And I would argue that what they did with Luger building up to it, it almost feels like that could have been like the pay-per-view before, doesn't it? As opposed being the, the, the match earlier on in the night. That's probably a wee bit too long the Yoko Luga match, but in terms of its concept, yeah. it works perfectly in the story. So I actually think the, the title matches on, on WrestleMania 10, while by no means exciting to watch, I think they're satisfying and I think they reached their logical conclusion. Um, and I think they happen to have two unbelievable matches with it. It is really difficult. Who was it that said on Twitter? Let me find the comment on Twitter um, where someone said, uh, duh, 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 duh. sorry, bear with me because I, w- I want to mention it. Uh, Andrew Scrimshaw, who we've already mentioned, we've had a, some, some takes on other on other shows. He said, if you watch WrestleMania 10, take away Bretton Owen and the ladder match, it's a really poor show. That's what he says. And someone answers him. Let me just find the answer. Uh, Nick answers him, Nick Parmenter, and says, you could apply that with so many shows. Which show do you suggest are better once you remove two of the best matches of the decade? you know, And it's a, it's a fair Very point. True. But the, the worst of WrestleMania 10 is pretty poor it's just whether or not the rest of it drags it up. And is that enough to make it the best show as opposed to the best two matches with some other rubbish?
1: I think it has to be in the conversation because those two matches are just so great. And and the moment at the end of the show itself is great. Um, you know, it's not a great match, like you say, but the moment truly is crowning Bret Hart champion works superbly well and and you can't take out that historic element of it being the 10th WrestleMania and in Madison Square Garden, it does matter. So, yeah, this, this goes on the list, mate, I think, or certainly on the, long, on, the, on, the, on the short list. I think if you want to look at the kind of the everything in the middle
0: vibe, so if, if WrestleMania 10 is unbelievable greatness, ladder match in the hearts, you know, irrelevance, the short matches like Adam Bomb and Earthquake and Alundra and Leilani and the silliness of the Dink, Luna Vashorn stuff, if you go to WrestleMania 14, which is one you mentioned before, almost, every, almost everything on WrestleMania 14 is right in the middle. Yeah. There's almost no bad stuff on that show. But there's not Agreed. much that's great either. It's a very decent main event. But Michaels has had lots of better matches because he was basically crippled here. But it's, again, it's not as, the match isn't as important as the crowning of Austin. Um, but if you look at everything else that goes with it, Austin is so over. Tyson is so over, you know, Taker and Kane isn't a great match, but Taker and Kane as a as a, as a unit, as a story is so over. Sable is on this show wrestling and it's not, by no means a great match. In fact, it's a pretty terrible match, but Sable was so over and her being on the winning side and standing out for Mark Merrow. The Rock is growing here. This is the Rock, you know, lose, winning, losing to Shamrock, but actually winning by DQ and, and, and that sort of finish. It's all of it's all right, you know. It's it's just a consistent three star show. Yep, Agreed. Everything else on that? Tucker versus Aguila, Triple H, Owen Hart. There's the um, the Battle Royal, which LOD two thousand wins. Captain Jack and Chainsaw Charlie with the dump, dumpster match. It's all fine. There's nothing great, yep. but it's, there's nothing bad. It's it's just okay, isn't it?
1: It's just
0: okay. But it's probably an all round. You know, just as good a show as Wrestlemania 10 except the Wrestlemania 10's highs are so high that it, it drags it's you would probably say that if you went to if you went to see a, I'm not a big music guy but if you went to a festival and you saw three of your favourite two of your favourite ever bands and another couple yeah. of bands that were dead fun and four other bands that were shit you'd come away going I got to see so and so I got to see so and so and if you went to see Eleven bands and they were all fine. You'd go, I, I, I enjoyed my evening, but it will never go down as one of the greatest evenings of my life. True. Do you know what I mean? It's like uh, you would put, you will put yeah. up with rubbish in, in terms to, to see the things that you really loved. I and think I you're on the watch, then, mate. I would rather watch the crap of WrestleMania 10 to get to Owen and Brett or to get to Sean and Razor, than I would go through WrestleMania 14 and go, that was all right, lads.
1: So are you saying what I think you're saying and what I agree with that WrestleMania 10 is the only one that makes the list? I think so. I mean, we've not, we've not really done eight,
0: but you know, in terms of, if you want to just go face to face, I think we would probably agree. Wouldn't we that the first two, the best two matches on WrestleMania eight are Bret and Piper and Savage and Flair. Yep. But if you wanted to go head to head, if you wanted to go head to head, Brett Piper, isn't as good as Brett Owen. And savage and flair isn't as good as sean and razor
1: precisely it's, and the I same, argue, it's the same
0: premise and both lesser matches and if you're going for major action in the main event brett yoko is better than hogan justice yeah it's a no-brainer and, and everything else in there is sort of mm, okay tatanka beat so, Mick Martel Ugh.
1: we have got 11 events on our long list, let's get this down to five, not six okay. this week. No, we'll five. Do I, think we, I think we'll be OK. So as far as I can see, mate, we've got the following. Stop me if there's any that you don't think should even be on this list. But I've got so far, SummerSlam 91, SummerSlam 92, Royal Rumble 92, Royal Rumble 97, Survivor Series 95, Survivor Series 96, Survivor Series 98, Super Brawl 92, Spring Stampede 99, Canadian Stampede and WrestleMania '10. I've only got two definites. Let me get back on shot.
0: I've only got two what, definites.
1: What are your two definites?
0: I think, I think because you've got to have a WrestleMania in there because of how it's so important to wrestling. You pick the best WrestleMania. I think it's got to be in there. I think WrestleMania 10 has got to be on the list. Okay. And I think for its absolute quality from start to finish,
1: I think Canadian Stampede has to be on the list. I think so, too. And I can agree with the WrestleMania point as well. They're the only uh, two that I think that we'll probably both agree on a
0: kind of a beyond doubt. I could probably pick another three, but I would be on, I would be on the understanding that they would be three that I would pick and they might not mesh with everybody else.
1: Well, let's get rid of to, a couple. Let's get okay. rid of a couple. Let's get rid of Survivor Series 96, shall we, for, for kickoff?
0: Yes, I, wouldn't, I, I, I didn't agree with that
1: one, so yeah. So let's get rid of that one. Let's sadly also get rid of Summerslam '92. I think we've I think we've explained that there are better Summerslams,
0: and you know, yeah. in it, in term, not that we only count. If if the if the best five shows of the '90s were all Summerslams, we could put all five of them in. But I yeah, think yeah, we've yeah, proven, I think we've proven that there are better Summerslams, and since we're going to have stuff like Mania '10 and and In Your House and stuff, we're going to have in there. Oh, do you know what? There's one other thing that I wanted to mention, and I and I I mention it to to get it out of the way because I can just feel that there might be people yelling at us right it's Go a match that when we did the best in your house matches it won that poll i believe um i think we ought to just recognise in your house bad blood yeah um fair. Fair. i i don't think it's uh, anywhere near one of the best shows of the decade but it's got one of the best matches of the decade in it and i could see people saying <gasps> How could you leave out the show that's got Michaels and Undertaker in the Hell in a Cell? Well, I would argue because, first of all, name me the rest of the show. And B, when you do name it, it's Nation of Domination, Legion of Doom, Max Mini, Nova, Mosaic, Tarantula, The Godwins versus The Headbangers, Owen Hart, Farouk, DOA, Los Barrios again, and Brett Bulldog versus Patriot Invader in a god awful flag match that took 25 minutes. It's a, it's a poor undercard. And considering yeah. how important 1997 was and how good 1997 was, it's a poor undercard and a great main event. If we're going to do those kind of setup shows, there are better ones to do than that. It's not even top five of its own year. Never no, it's mind. Not. And, I, but, and I would but I just wanted to bring it up because I feel like people will mention it.
1: Yeah, I get that. I get that, mate. Definitely. Okay. Um any more that we can knock off the back end. So uh Well,
0: there's a question of what do we do in terms of do we have a I won't say token WCW show, but it feels like some people will prefer a different style. And it it kind of feels like we ought to offer up at least one alternative to the WWF Vince McMahon product.
1: I am looking at Super Bowl 92 and think it's such a strong, it was such a strong event that I think it's fair to include it, actually. Like, that's the one I'm... My eyes keep being drawn to it. That's the one that I would throw up there, and it's the one of
0: the list. This list that I don't. To be fair, this is a this is a podcast in which recent winners of things include the Midnight Express in terms of uh, the best wrestler non wrestler combo with the the Midnight Express and Jim Cornette. And we had best tag team wrestler the other week, and it got won by um, my old mate Terry Gordy. Did it not? So um, you know there are examples of people going back into history for voting here. So something like the Super Bowl ninety two might be up people's streets. Um, I personally love it it's not historically significant necessarily um, and it's not full of bells and whistles and a standout show in terms of its, its attendance and its, how its feel But if you want to go and watch three hours or two and a half hours of really really solid fun action it's, it's very much up there I think as to provide an alternative to because some people just you know, don't believe that WWF is the be all and end all and that's fair and they're right
1: um, I think this is the best alternative product well, I think you've made a very good case, and I like I like its inclusion. Um, so that leaves us five pay-per-views for two slots. So we've got SummerSlam 91, Royal Rumble's in 92 and 97, and Survivor Series in 98 and 95. Um, there's not a lot I want to take off there. I'll tell you which one I want on um, without a shadow of a doubt, and that's Royal Rumble 92. Yeah, I think
0: uh, I think it's hard to fight it because the the main event is basically half of the show. I didn't carry it, and then you know this one it absolutely does, and then what's underneath isn't terrible. It's just it's not memorable. But I think the main yeah. event is so good. I'm, I'm I'm yeah I'm okay with that. It wouldn't be in my five, but Fine. As I often try and say on this show. It's not all, it's not about me. It's about what we need to present via a logical discussion. And I absolutely feel that people, it would, it would look, the list would kind of look wrong without it if it was just to my
1: personal tastes. So here's, here's what we're going to do next. There's four left. You're going to knock one off and I'm going to knock one off and you can knock whichever one you wish. So SummerSlam 91, Royal Rumble 97 and Survivor Series 98 and 95. I think you're knocking Survivor Series 98 off. Yeah, I am, yeah. I thought as much. So that gives me three, and I've got one to knock off, and I'm torn. And by the way, I like it, and I, I really like it, and
0: I, I respect its status. I think it's a brilliantly put-together show, but I think it's a, it feels like a three-hour roar. It doesn't feel like a pay-per-view. There's not enough good wrestling on it. I, I, I need to have at least some good wrestling to to warrant it being one of the greatest pay-per-views of the decade and there just isn't really any good wrestling on it there's way no. more better wrestling on wrestlemania 14 for example
1: oh agreed agreed um i'm going to knock off it's tough this one but i'm going to take out royal rumble 97 okay I'm all which right. leads us which leads us SummerSlam 91 and survivor series 95 very good shows the both very different shows i think i know which one i want of the five on there what about you uh, yeah,
0: I do as well. Um I just wanna make a quick nod on Survivor Series nineteen ninety-five because I, I think we went over it quite quickly. Um and I'm not gonna go into any depth. I just want to offer up a couple more things that are on there. Um but it's the first four-on-four four is the body donors versus the underdogs, and it's really, really, really good. It's not a good for a survivor series match, it's not good for a tag match. It's just a great match with really good workers Absolutely. doing really innovative stuff. It's a great match. The main event, Bret Hart versus Diesel, is almost certainly Kevin Nash's best ever match. It's a masterpiece. It's not, a, it's not one of the all time great matches, but it is a great match, I think. Um, and see if we see if obviously we're doing the watch along with um, Davies kids for the. Survivors for the Summerslam 92 thing. If we were to ever get Brett to do a watch along, I'd like to get Brett to do a watch along for this one. I'd like to know the nuts and bolts and go through this one. Because I think it's so cleverly crafted. Um, I personally like the wild card match. Some people don't. I personally do. I think it's intriguing. The Dark Side versus the Royals tells a story because it tells a story about Undertaker and King Mabel, even though it's not great wrestling. The Undertaker story is all over it. The Eight Woman match is quality because it imports a bunch of really talented Japanese wrestlers and right in the middle there you've got Goldust versus Bam Bam which is you know something that introduces the Goldust character I think he would had one pay-per-view match before this which was on an in your house but this sort of made him stand out the more I look at this I actually was going to say god it's tough I think I narrowly Survivor Series 90 uh, sorry SummerSlam 91 narrowly but I think that I feel that that's probably a personal thing the more I think about this Survivor Series, the more I like it. I really don't care. Pick one. I don't care. I'd be happy with either of these two.
1: Fine. Well, mine, mine's SummerSlam 91. Okay. It's probably my, historically, I, it's historically more significant. Fairly strongly, to be honest. Fairly strongly. Um, although I do, I do fully agree. With, I, I wouldn't have thought of Series so 1995 going into this. So I'm pleased you've opened my eyes on that. Um, but I do think SummerSlam 91 gets the nod. I actually think,
0: as a top to bottom wrestling show, that this Survivor Series is probably better than two or three of the ones that we've put into the list. But I accept that. I mean, listen, Bret Hart winning the world title is significant, but it didn't change the the way that the WWF worked. Bret was still the man. You know, even when Diesel was the champ, Bret was still the man. Yeah. You know, it was still the Bret. There's no Diesel era. You know, there's a bit of a Bret right. Hart era, which turns into a Shawn Michaels era, but there's no Diesel era. This doesn't change the landscape. And none of the Survivor Series matches mean anything. And the Gold Dust match just introduces Gold Dust. So there's no significance other than a world title change. There's way more significance on 91 of for for Brett personally beating Mr. Perfect. But the ending of this, um, the, the Sergeant Slaughter stuff, even if it might not be your thing watching through it, the wedding is culturally important. And there's bundles of you know fun things that are resolutions of, of feuds. I think the SummerSlam 91 has more meat on the bones. Um, But I think Survivor Series 95 is unlucky
1: to miss out. I think that's a fair assessment. But that gives us our five. So let's check out on Canadian Stampede, WrestleMania 10, Super Brawl 92, Royal Rumble 92 and SummerSlam 91. That's quite a fair spread of years. Um... It's a good list. It is an interesting concept of the decade because you
0: really look at the decade and go that this is this was way more of a struggle than it should have been you know in terms of when right. how, how how familiar we are with the 90s and how the wrestling boom was essentially 1997 to 2000 you know so three of those years are on uh you know in the 90s and yet we're still struggling to find it in fact have we have we got anything from you know, what's the latest one that we've got it's the latest one we've got canadian stampede yes indeed you know, so after that, we've got nothing, and that's extraordinary, really. Um, we will hold our hands up and say that we're perhaps not as familiar with ECW and WCW as we could be. Um, I think we perhaps could have made a stronger case for your one of, uh, uh, in 1999 there um, in WCW. But I'm, yeah. happy
1: with the, I'm happy with the list. Now people need to go and vote, Paul. They do, and they go to hookedonwrestling.co.uk forward slash vote. By the time you read this, the poll will be up. Have at it. Go
0: for it. Indeed. Um, your choice. I know I would vote for it, but I won't say. We'll talk about it usually when we do the uh, the results next week. Um, we'll sort of mention what we would have had as our number one picks and see if that correlates with, uh, with yours. Um, we did all our plugging at the top of this show, so we won't waffle on now. But suffice to say, join us for the quiz on Sunday. Join us for a massive SummerSlam night uh, when that happens uh, a week from Sunday as I'm talking. What's the actual date of that? Is it the 23rd? 23rd, mate. Yep. The 23rd. And... The reason that we're here, one of the reasons that we're here doing 90s stuff is the brand new podcast starting very soon, Howl Mania, uh, hosted and starring Ash Rose with Paul Benson, trying not to get in his way too much. <laughs> I've had plenty of practice here, mate. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Um, this was fun, uh, as usual. It's another one that's uh, taken a long time to get through, but uh, it's, the time is flying by. I really enjoyed it. Some uh, some fun 90s nostalgia uh, trips, which you're going to get plenty more on howlmania Mania. Uh, we'll, join, we'll join you next week for, we'll do some something SummerSlam related next week. Not absolutely narrowed down exactly what it'll be, but it will be a SummerSlam theme next week on the podcast. Uh, we'll join you again for, for that. Keep it hooked on wrestling.co.uk and remember to go and vote. Any final words, Paul? My final words
1: are, it's wrestling. Enjoy it.